everybody, and welcome to Geek Actually, episode 21, the podcast about everything and nothing as filtered through our geek perspective. This week is going to be a slightly different show because we normally have this big long list of show notes, and we do indeed have a big long list of show notes, but we have so much to talk about this week that it may end up just becoming a discussion panel. So we'll just play it by ear. This is the show that we can make up as we go along anyway. So we'll uh, play it by ear and we'll see how we go. We do have a few things we're going to talk about. I'm Dave McVeigh. I am joined by Dave Longo. How are you? We're 21, Dave. 21! We're legally allowed to vote in America. And drink. (laughs) And drink, yeah. Or in most states. No, 21 is the drinking age in in America. In all states? Yeah, 21. Although we get a key. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, where's our key? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're also joined by the much older than 21, <laughs> Jamie Lawrence. Oh, gee, thanks. What you? a great <laughs> intro. <laughs> Jamie, I'm older than you. So I, it's okay. um, I'm feeling really guilty. Um, You're both kids to me. <laughs> <laughs> I just got my key. <laughs> <laughs> to your own house. <laughs> um, I am, I'm feeling really guilty. Um, I... I've been really busy the last few weeks, so I <laughs> Me feel both, like baby, <laughs> yeah. But I feel like I've been I've been holding the podcast back from happening. No, no, no. You and me both, baby. <laughs> okay, good, good. As long as we're on the same page, no, let's. No, no. You and me both, baby. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, now, we, that, now that we're here, let's kick it. Hey? As we said uh, a couple of weeks ago, you're when... going down a path I just can't follow. <laughs> <laughs> Don't start. <laughs> uh, we we won. He's holding me back. <laughs> we uh, we did discuss a couple of weeks ago that uh, we were going to a fortnightly schedule because Christmas season is upon retail and it's going to kill us all. And I think Dave Longo and I are mm. already really experiencing that. I think I'm, all, I'm already Me dead, too. Dead inside. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it started early this year. I'm already seeing Christmas decorations on houses. It is the beginning of November. Yeah, you know this is ridiculous. Anyway, but it seems to have started really early, and no, hours are killing us. People always say it's ridiculous, but you know. Kick ass. Christmas is awesome. Let's, I love let's Christmas, have it. but let's have Christmas in its season. <laughs> oh, it's every season. <laughs> we only just finished Halloween. I'll do Christmas every day. Does, does the place of your work, Dave, just play nothing but carols? Not yet, but it will. Yeah, but it will? Yeah. yeah. But no, it's worse. My place plays, plays the pop carols. Mm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would play, I would pretty much play just Christmas carols all the time, but I think I would drive people in the store mad, so I don't. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, have, yeah. I just have a little playlist that's like, you know, part of the rotating <laughs> roster. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we but- just go around work like after a week of it, just going Christmas, 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 Christmas. So let's get away from our horrible retail our lives real at this lives. point. Actually, we shouldn't say it because our jobs are our jobs are good. They pay us money, yeah. do all that sort of stuff. But let's face it, we prefer doing this. So, <laughs> so while we prefer doing this, let's get on with it. First thing we got to do is a little bit of housekeeping for uh, the uh, Bring Your DC Heroes Home contest came to a close. Uh, we are a week late on this podcast because of schedules and so forth just to let people know there will be a podcast one week from now it's not going to be another two weeks because Spectre comes out and we are doing Spectre so um, and I gotta say if you didn't enter this contest because you were sitting there going oh about that last season of Arrow and uh, Flash couldn't possibly be as good as it was again could it you were wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> we actually had a lot of entries for this particular competition. Uh, the winner is for the Blu-ray is Pamela L and the DVD is Jasmine N. They have been notified by email and their prizes have already gone out to them. So Woo-hoo! it's all Yay! happened. And by the time this podcast comes out, you guys should have already received your packages. So. Pamela and Jasmine, you are winners. Winners. Everybody else, winner, you're winner. losers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to steer away from that backhanded part. But, um, but please, keep an eye on uh, and listen to this podcast. Any other big competitions that come up, we are actually in the middle of negotiating with Roadshow. So hopefully we'll have some new stuff coming up. If you snooze, you lose. When I was that's, talking to, when I was talking to Roadshow, yeah. they said, 
So what sort of things would your, your, your listeners be interested in? It's like everything and all things. But really what is the most interesting thing about this is because we actually said specify which one you would prefer, Blu-ray mm. or DVD. Doesn't necessarily mean you'll win the Blu-ray or DVD. And most people said both are, both are fine. But overwhelmingly, I think 90% of the entries all wanted the Blu-ray. That's cool. So it's so what, so I've, said, what I've said to the roadshow people is Blu-rays are preferable. It's a bit yeah. of a shift, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So Blu-ray is the way to go at this point. I only, I only entered the Blu-ray world in the last, I don't know, four, four or five months. Oh, really? Yeah. It makes a difference. Far, it does. It's right? really nice. It makes it, a big difference on a 1080p really good. TV. Yeah. Wow, they, they really do make a difference. I can <laughs> hardly watch a DVD anymore. <laughs> like, although my, 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 uh, if you watch it on a PlayStation, it upscales DVD, so it actually yeah. looks pretty good. All right, so that's the housekeeping out of the way. Let's move on to this. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. My, 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 my TV makes me so bored, makes me say, oh my lord, what is this garbage here? Wanna cover my eyes? Yes, that's right. It's the time for the what we've been watching. <laughs> it's the what we've been reading, watching, playing, and probably inappropriately groping. So, uh, what, let's start with. Um, I, I, I think you've got a lot to talk about in a second. So let's start I with. Have. Let's, let's start me. with Dave Longo. What have you been watching, reading, inappropriately groping? Uh, I, uh, speaking of like snoozing and losing, yeah, I went to see a double feature of uh, <laughs> Scouts versus the Zombies and. Um, Paranormal activity. So you snoozed and lost. No, but in the... (laughs) No. Well, yeah. No, actually, you know how I avoid the movie trailers? Yeah, yeah. Well, that cost me big time. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, they they played the trailer for Spectre, so I bolted out of there. And when I came back, um, I'd missed out on a $150 gift voucher, a lucky door prize. Oh. Do you think... uh, That's the price that I paid. I think the cinema star... For avoiding Spectre... And I've seen Spectre now, and I enjoyed it. Hey. See, I see. I yeah. thought I thought you were going to say because I avoided the trailers, I didn't know these films were crap, and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that's also that true. was what I thought too. That's also. Do you very think true. the cinema staff have started to get to know you? It's like there's that guy who ducks out every time yeah, the trailers there, are there's on. There's the guy that going awkwardly pretends to message on his phone. While <laughs> <in the lobby>. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just thought in my head like that's the price that I paid for avoiding the trailer for Spectre. One hundred fifty bucks was that in order for me to enjoy Spectre, I lost like the equivalent of seven movie tickets. Uh, <laughs> Oh, man, <laughs> that would have made up for the two movies you saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's start. Let's give Scouts. Let's give Scouts was all right. That's, half that's a paragraph right. reviews for either of them. Okay, Scouts. All right, uh, Shaun of the Dead is a way better movie. If you've seen that, yep. Don't go watch this. Yep. Um, and Paranormal Activity Five. I wanted to do this review of of this movie by asking you guys, what do you find scary in Paranormal Activity? I've never seen a Paranormal Activity film. Really? I've avoided them all because they look stupid. The first one's all right. You should watch the first one. Yeah. But Jamie. I saw the first one and only the first one because I couldn't possibly take any more of that crap. (laughs) (laughs) But um, why do you think they're scary? All that they play on is jump factor. Can I, can I answer that without like, actually having seen any of them? Yeah, okay. What makes them scary is the fear of the unknown. Yes. And yet in this one you see That's the unknown. my point. There exactly. Yeah. Do you yeah. know how I know that? Yeah. Because I've seen the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this but was, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. You, you can tell from the trailer that this is a show, don't tell, yeah. and or show and tell, and 
possibly just expose, you know. <laughs> this has an amazingly dumb-headed uh, gimmick too, where the whole thing is on a super VHS camera. Yeah, that's in the trailer too. Yeah, where it's like uh, it, it can show the ghosts. Yeah. But the way they do it is it's clear. I hate this in movies. They do this all the time, particularly when it's set in the 50s, which which shits me to tears, where it's clearly high-definition red camera footage that <laughs> had, had an effect put on it to look old. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and, and whereas in, in Paranormal Activity 5, it was the most headache-inducing footage that you could imagine. And we watched it in 2D, not 3D. But to make red camera footage... So you didn't see it in the ghost dimension? No, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, they didn't play it in the double feature with that. But, um, man, it's amazing how, how... You think the movies can be bad, but then when you... When you show the ghosts. Is this the last one? Are we done Supposedly, with this now? Supposedly, yeah. I, oh. I could spoil right now the whole mythology no, in don't, a don't, sentence, don't worry, but no. it's not worth All it. All I'm going to say is Bloody Mary, Bloody <laughs> Mary. <laughs> See, that's in the trailer too. <laughs> what else is in the trailer? Everything. They Did find they, the thing, the girl talks to them, they know that there's a connection, they find the camera, he says, oh, look, I can see ghosts, you see the ghost in the pool, you see, hey, there's something behind you. Oh, look, there's a big hole in the wall and she's going to walk in. They showed the hole in the yeah. wall. yeah. <laughs> That's like the final scene. <laughs> it's the poster. <laughs> <laughs> the hole in the it's, wall. Her standing in front of the hole in the wall is the poster. Stop proving me right, people. Seriously. <laughs> These fucking trailers. Oh, All right, man. move on. If you've seen the trailer for Spectre, I, don't go watch the movie. You're going to hate the movie. I haven't and yeah. I don't want to. Don't. Don't. Yeah. Just don't. Yeah. Or if you're like me, you don't care. Yeah. So, yeah. go yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> until you sit there and you go, I don't, oh, this... They're in they're in some shady underground uh, meeting room. Oh, what's going to happen? You you've seen the trailer. Hello, Mister Bond. Yeah, that's that that seriously. I'm so, going to blow this. That hello, Mister Bond is the punchline to a 20 minute sequence. Or or how about in the trailer they actually? Have, oh no, what's it? Because you haven't seen the trailer. Look, let me let me address yeah, this because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have never been the proponent of you know. Go blind, go dark, don't see the trailer, all that. I love I love trailers. I don't care if they spoil things for me because, frankly, I'm still going to enjoy the movie if I'm bothering to watch the trailer. But um, but I love Bond so much. Like, I cannot tell you what a Bond fan I am. And this is the one film that I've done it. I've just gone, you know, every time the trailer is on or I've seen it on Facebook, I'm just like, I'll scroll through that. Not going to do it. I will wait and I will just enjoy the fuck out of seeing Bond yes. when I go and see yeah. it. And um, and it like I did the same thing with Skyfall, and it totally worked for me. I was sitting there just in awe of the Bond references and how mm. amazingly good that film was. And uh, and I'm really hoping for something. From I Spectre. actually have a friend at the moment, uh, Alexis. He's actually been on the show a couple of times. He did um, Battleship and the Avengers with us. Oh, right, okay, uh, yeah. So going back to it, Alexis has actually said on Facebook when I said I couldn't stop watching the Star Wars trailer, he said, "Not for me." He goes, "I'm going in cherry." He hasn't mm. watched any of the trailers. He hasn't looked at any of the pictures. He hasn't looked at any oh, of the poster art. Him, mm-hmm. He hasn't done. Yeah. He is just a, He's in total mm. Star Wars blackout. That's impressive. You've yeah. got to try pretty hard. <clears throat> you have to yeah, try yeah. pretty hard. But See, he, said, he says the thing, he's seeing like, it yeah. cherry. I feel hypocritical because I should be cherry on Star Wars, but uh, I, I can't. With, no, I can't. with Star Wars, I can't. And I, I'm so happy that that trailer didn't tell me lick. Mm, there's a YouTube video that might tell you a little bit more. Yeah, but see, that's but- the thing. We had, to, we had to have a YouTube video, yeah. not a trailer. You know, uh, to, to a point where the trailer's opening lines are, who are you? I'm no one. Yeah. And you know she's someone. I know. I think I know who she is too. Yeah, well, of course you do because some guy on YouTube <laughs> told you. Yeah, thanks YouTube. Oh, yeah, I and had, then I and then you're gonna be to when you watch the movie, you're gonna be like, yeah, that's what that guy on YouTube said. 
No, she's not. a dude. No, 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 I won't. I'll be going. Yeah, it's right. It's right. Yeah. <laughs> she's clearly, I, I just, she's just clearly a dirty it, liar, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just go do something because I promised a friend that I would stop harping on this unless I was to put in a single sentence every time I did, which was that I'm not asking for movie trailers to be removed or to stop being made. It's just my choice not to watch them. Fair I, enough. I just, I just need to make that clear. Like I'm okay. not against trailers. That's fair just, enough. What else did you watch, Dave? Uh, what else? Did, oh, Ash versus the Evil Dead. Oh, yeah. baby. Groovy. Now, we've all seen three times in a row. Well, episode one. Yeah, uh-huh. we're only talking about episode one at this point. Mm-hmm. And can I also say that the trailer for this, it is no, no lie to say, is the entire first episode. Oh, yeah. more, more. What I love Ma- about- Maybe it's the whole entire four, uh, three, four episodes. No, no, because oh, yeah. outside of the first episode, there's only a couple of scenes, which mm. is where Lucy Lawless is talking to the black girl and stuff like that. The Pablo. And every, Pablo every, um, and, the, and the cross. Yeah. Uh, what happens to- um, The parents. To her, her parents. Yeah. yeah. So there's a few things outside of it, but the majority of the trailer, but let's not kid, our, kid around. This was- a selling trailer. This was to make sure Absolutely. everybody was going to say, "Yeah, I need to watch yeah. this yeah, show." Yeah, look, and I don't begrudge them at all because yeah. we now have I ten. The we now have and ten yeah. episodes. We now have nine more episodes where we really don't know what happens. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I, I don't but begrudge them at all, dude. <clears throat> what like, a like, first episode! Uh, oh. Two, two sec. I watched the trailer because there's things you can't help. You know, I had the same impression. Hmm. You know, oh, it's, what it's going to show. You know, it showed everything. But um. But I didn't care. It went beyond. Well, and, and it, as an example, oh. as an example, and this is minor. I was. This yeah. is minor spoilers, and it's a, it has actually only been out for a week, so we our spoilers rule mm-hmm. applies here. But just to say that it's an example of how the trailer doesn't spoil it is in the trailer you see him basically go fuck, yeah. you know. Yeah. But there's no context for that. Yeah. When you actually see it in the episode, that beautiful. it is one of the biggest laughs in the film. Even yeah. though you know it's coming, mm-hmm. because suddenly you have context yes. for why he's yeah. saying it, which you didn't know. But before. see, that's the important thing with trailers: is that trailers shouldn't give away the context; they should just give away the exciting yeah. moments. Mm. This, and and that's that's what. And, and I mean, this trailer is to show you that yes, we're back, baby. Evil yeah. Dead is back. It is in the model of Sam Raimi. You know, it, it really does have ash and all the things, the deadites and all the things that you want and that it's doing them properly. So if you're in America, you can watch this on Stars, obviously, and Stars doesn't disappoint. In the first episode alone, extreme gore, he says fuck, and we have a sex scene. You know, <laughs> it's like we just hit that going balls to the wall yeah. on this. All right. Yeah. Um, so in America, you can watch it on Stars. It comes out. Uh, it came out on Halloween night, mm-hmm. and it's fast tracked in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to subscribe to Stan, the streaming yeah. service, and they are fast tracking each episode onto Stan, um, which I subscribed to this week. Which I, I have avoided subscribing to Stan because I thought I only want one. I don't Netflix. Netflix or nothing. Yeah. But of course, I had to subscribe to Stan because it's got Ash vs mm. Evil Dead. And lo and behold, I have discovered that I think Stan actually has more content than Netflix does. Yeah, it's this massive library of stuff, and I've actually got. Both on my new Apple TV. I bought new Apple TV though. Oh, right? did you play uh, any games? No, yeah, I haven't played games. Did you get game. Crossy Road? Babe? I haven't got Crossy Road. Why didn't you get Crossy Road? <laughs> I haven't got any games. Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you though? I got a thing against Crossy Road. I, I thought for a second you were going to yeah. pin him up against the no. wall. <laughs> no, just everyone going nuts about Crossy Where Road. Where the fuck too. is my Crossy Road? Yeah. It's goddamn Frogger. It's Frogger, just yeah. with a different view. Yeah, exactly. Like, stop acting like you've reinvented games. It's Frogger with a, yeah, chi- no, it's Frogger no, with a chicken. <laughs> All right, so it's chicken. <laughs> um, 
the new Apple TV, though, I will say is kind of creepy. It's paranormal activity. It's taken over my television set. <laughs> no, it seriously has. Right, You plug in this new Apple TV, and you have to change the input. So I'm on Foxtel, and I go, let's watch, some, let's watch something on Stan. I turn on the Apple TV, and as soon as I turn it on, the TV automatically switches channel to the Apple TV channel. Yeah. And you sit and go... Why did it just do that? So then I, at the end of the day, I go put my Apple TV to sleep. My TV turned off. Hmm. I went, it's taken over my television <laughs> if I tra- If I just go out there and hit the menu button on the Apple TV, it'll turn the TV on. Mm-hmm. It's like weird. Na, 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 na. Anyway, uh, so uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, this is primo television. Ten bucks a month on Stan. Go subscribe right Damn. now for Australian people. Watch this. This is the show you've been waiting for. Mm. <laughs> I want to say like the that I had a moment before it started because th- it clicked to me just as I was about to st- to begin it. Was Does that- this story end with you having an erection? Oh, I had a massive <laughs> erection. Oh no, I watched it three times, like um, twice in a row. If your erection lasts more you know, than three like, episodes, I've, I've now seen it. Like, please, please see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Viagra. <laughs> yeah. No, we should make jokes about that. <laughs> yeah, we should. No, um, no, I don't moment because it was like I, I think we shouldn't I, make I think... jokes about it. Is Viagra sacred to you now? <laughs> He's getting old. <laughs> Sorry, go Sorry, on. Go are we, on, are go we on. done? <laughs> like, no, not shit. by a long shot. I mean, I'm in my twenties, guys. Like seriously, He's in his like, sexual prime. Yeah. Yeah. All right, go on. Yeah. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, I think I, I think I'd been waiting for this my whole life <laughs> seriously that, that, that you want to feel old there's the phrase i think i was waiting you know? longer for the next star wars than wait a minute. you have been waiting for evil wait a minute. <laughs> here's a here's here's a wild thought for you. Now, here's a wild thought for you when did evil dead 2 come out how many years ago uh 81 right no, uh, it was like 83 yeah, or 84. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Oh, maybe even later than that, actually. Probably 86 or something like that. Uh, let's, anyway, let's Google but roughly that. how many years? Because in the, in the show, he says it's been... 30, roughly 25. All right, roughly 25. All right, Dave, here's a thought for you. This is a show I've been waiting for your entire life. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> Which is my entire life. Yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah because I've watched Evil, the Evil Dead series since before I can remember. Yeah. You know, and... um. Yeah, and when you're in the womb, like, you were watching this. Like, like, we're all the same. Like we follow this movie news stuff. We follow it our whole lives. Like Evil Dead is an important thing. Mm. For, like so many different reasons. And um, yeah, we've heard about Evil Dead Four mm-hmm. for forever, and we got to watch it. Do you know what's and really it was interesting? Remarkable. It, I couldn't get past it. First thing my son said to me was, "Why the aren't they, Why aren't thing. they talking about him going through time?" They did. No, they didn't. Oh, no, they didn't. But the but, reason for that, he, and they actually have addressed this. Apparently, Army of Darkness's rights are tied up with Delorentis. Interesting. No, this, is, this is not accurate yet. At the they moment. are not allowed to reference. <laughs> Sam Raimi himself said they're not allowed to reference Army of Darkness. This doesn't so, make sense. What they what this contradicts what they said about season two. Well, all I know at the moment, they may have fixed the rights for season two, mm-hmm. but at the moment, you notice there's no references to Army of Darkness. That's why he's not working at an Smart because. Um, they have it's literally. A, yeah, they, they don't have the rights. They don't have the name. rights for any of that. So basically, uh. this is a sequel to Evil Dead Two. So mm. that, and that's what they're actually doing at this no, point. No, this 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 is straight from the else. straight yeah, yeah, from I the words know, of, I know, of Sam yeah. Raimi. Yeah, no, no, I I believe you. Like um, at Comic Con, he was asked yeah. this direct question, and Sam yeah. Raimi said, "We are not allowed to talk about Army of Darkness." But I also heard another interview with uh, Robert Tappet, Bruce Campbell, and Sam Raimi and um, Lucy Laws on a panel together, where they said. Quite different things. Maybe well, things, say, things where, have changed. Things where, may have this, changed this, since okay, it came so, out. So, so. This, this is obviously like they're talking about this in public, so it's not a spoiler. Mm. But the intention is that the original script for Evil Dead Four, halfway through it, featured a crossover mm. where the the two 
the original ending for Army of Darkness is considered canon, is that it's considered a universe. Right. And the, the theatrical ending is also canon. Yeah. So they, well, the way they're doing it is two plot lines, two well, universes. Every Evil Dead ends with a different ending. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, there's the, the, the yeah. And has a different stuff. beginning. But one, one <laughs> of my friends... But just to, to be really quick about this, their intention is that in Evil Dead 4, it was supposed to be the two Ashes team up together to fight the Evil Dead. And that's what they're going to do for season two. Uh, that may happen. And so, so that contradicts completely that they don't. Yeah, have no, but the it, right. it doesn't contradict. They what don't it means necessarily. What, I think. The, I think the what they would they must have been talking about. Like it's. I don't know. I'm talking out of my ass, by the way. Like, yeah. What? But I'm assuming they didn't have the rights to use the footage. No, no, no. So, my like, guess. My guess is footage. My guess is they can talk. Why couldn't they talk about? Because it? Because the the rights to that story. That, lines that, from that, that entire Army of darkness in in the. But those lines on I mean, Groovy goes back to season two. Well, yeah, it goes yeah, to episode two. The thing is, but what, there's lines like um, I got to see someone about a book. Yeah, but that's that a line is not referencing a movie. But this is what it's I'm just saying. a line. It's like the, like the, and therefore it doesn't have. Yeah, to, but there'll be there'll be little. They can still do a scene. There'll be little throwaways. But think about this: if you go by the ending of Armor Darkness, he doesn't have the book anymore. The book is still in the medieval ages. That's true. You know what I mean? One of my he friends left the book behind. One of my friends heard us talking about mm. Evil Dead, and uh, because he had access to Stan for the for a while, decided to go and watch. He watched Evil Dead, the first one, and went, this is trash. And I said, no, no, watch the second one. Yeah, it's the second know, one. And, and he, he found that kind of entertaining. And then watched Ash vs. the Evil Dead and loved it and thought it was great. And I said to him, oh, what did you think of Army of Darkness? He said, what's Army of Darkness? Mm-hmm. And I, So I don't know if it's on stand or not, but I said- Army of Darkness is on stand. Oh, there you go. I said to him, it's the third Evil Dead movie. Yeah. You know, um, it was originally When it was originally in production, it was called Evil Dead 3, Army of Darkness. Yeah. When it got released, they dropped the Evil Dead 3 and just called it Army of Army Darkness. Army of Darkness, that's right. What's, so what, what I'm saying is that they probably haven't contradicted themselves at all. When they went into production on Ash vs. Evil Dead, they didn't have the right secured mm. for- Army of Darkness. So basically right. they're only referencing Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Since they've made this series and since the overwhelming response to this series has been so far, they've probably renegotiated deals mm. to come back for something else later yeah. down the track. This is only nine episodes. And in this nine episodes, we won't see any references to Army of Darkness. Yeah. Uh, Raimi but, himself has said uh, yeah. that. And that was the series guess, was made guess, by that. I guess point. what I'm getting stuck on is that that um, that I totally bought it as a sequel to Army of Darkness. Yeah, but that's because we all know it so well. Yeah, so but what I'm saying is if you actually watch... But it didn't feel like they were actively if you trying watch to it erase carefully. Army of Darkness. No, I don't think they're trying... In, 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 this is something that I'm kind of quite passionate about, actually, because Army of Darkness is is a very there's a very colorful history to that Ooh. movie, and um, we all know De Laurentiis and like all all the stuff there. The depiction of Ash was mm. not quite what they wanted Ash to be, um, but yet it's still closer to what they wanted Ash to be than the yeah. previous mm-hmm. one, right? I suppose. Like in how they fought about it, um, and so Ash in this one feels a lot more like the Ash in Army of Army Darkness, of Darkness than he does in the Evil Dead One and Two. But if you think about you know, it, um, I've actually the second time through I was watching this because I wanted to see exactly what they were tying it to and so forth. Mm. What's really interesting is in the flashback when he's telling Pablo the story yeah. of how all this happens, the clips that they're showing up on the you know mm. how they're projecting it on the yes, the oh, that was great. Yeah, is only Evil Dead One and Two. Yeah. yeah, and what's really interesting though is it's Evil Dead One and Two. Mm. So you're actually seeing the group of friends mm-hmm. in Evil Dead, but then you'll see scenes that are just him and the girl. Yeah, 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 so it's yeah, like this, yeah. it's a mismatch of, yeah. of his memory. It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought, like, I didn't think about it that way. Like, I, it now kind of makes a little bit more sense, I suppose, logically, but I thought it was them being clever about it. Like in, in the sense of that, as Jamie was saying, Evil Dead 2 retcons 
Evil yeah. Dead 1 and then Army of Darkness retcons mm -hmm. the previous two. I thought this was them doing it again. Yeah. Like I thought it was intentional. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought things like putting the, the Necronomicon in, in the in the caravan was just their way of retconning again. Yeah. I think, you know, like, no, but I think it is. Like, I think, I think you also have to look at it and go each evil dead film is a standalone film. Mm. You don't require the one before to watch <laughs> yeah, it because right. they can t completely rewrite history at the beginning of every film. Yeah. And, and you could also say, yeah. and you could say that the series mm. has done it again. They've completely rewritten history. Yeah. But in again, such a beautiful way. It's that so it, you clever. Can I love it. it. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. You know, it's but, fantastic. But that was a real weird sidetrack to go down. It was. <laughs> like, um, and this is why I was yeah. saying about this show, there's going to be discussion. Yeah, sure. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, but, but, but anyway, best, it was amazing. It was Let's, amazing. Everybody should watch it. it and the second great. episode it is lived out up this to every I'm looking forward to finding more of it. Yeah. Shall, yes. we, shall we push on? Uh, we should move on because uh, uh, oh my god, look at all these, look at all this stuff. Okay, so I'll just do mine really quickly. Have you got anything else you want to throw in? Oh yeah, the second time I watched Ash versus the Evil Dead, it was <laughs> even better. Yeah, I feel like we haven't done it justice. Seriously. Okay. Yo, she bitch. Let's go. We gotta, let's let's quickly just quickly like really quickly sorry like the Sam Raimi's camera shots like holy Sam fuck is brilliant like, you know um the the shot to the motorbike yeah ah! <laughs> the, the the gore effects the practical effects Bruce Campbell's performance what it is Sam Bruce, Raimi yes yeah. you know? Bruce Campbell let me just 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 stop everything right now and say forget everything else about this show two things stood out for me on this show one Bruce Campbell. Mm. Period. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bruce Campbell yeah. is in fine form. There's I mean, nobody else that could have made that. Nobody light, else light could. Nobody else can play. <laughs> nobody else can play Ash. And yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about actors and what they bring to roles when we actually review our film because I got something to talk about with Tom Hanks. But mm. nobody can play Ash. I mean, Bruce Campbell. Is, and the thing is, Bruce Campbell is not the world's greatest actor. Let's be very clear. But he plays Bruce Campbell, and he plays Bruce Campbell perfectly. He is this this walking caricature of a man who if you've read his books <laughs> yes. writes exactly yeah. like he talks He's chin. he is just brilliant the man is just genius i do love him the second thing that stood out about this was if you are ever in doubt that this is not an evil dead thing the sequence in the abandoned house with the black girl oh. and her partner and the antlers and the antlers, but mm. not just the antlers. It's that first the flashlight, dude, yeah, spinning around. The oh. flashlight spinning around. Yeah. Minor, minor spoiler, but the first deadite you really see in the thing with the whole turning the head around and being yeah. kind of weirdly animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just go, we're back. We're yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. We're bad. We're mad, you know? And I just, those two things for me were like the standout things. Yeah. I will also say that the use of sound in this, mm -hmm. only Raimi could get away with playing yeah. that song at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> then he gets into the car yeah. and it's playing on the Come radio. On! Come on! Yeah. And then yeah. he walks into the bar and the same <laughs> song is like, <laughs> yeah. thing, like, like the, it is literally, like the bar's called The Woodsman. Yeah. It's like, like that's the cabin he goes to now. Yeah. You know? Like, it's like now I, have, I have read uh, a, a short thing by Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell was actually being interviewed and apparently later in this season we don't have this, we haven't seen it but apparently they have recreated the cabin. Oh wow. So we are going back to that cabin That's at some awesome. point. Yeah. So apparently they've recreated the cabin in it's loving detail. It's filming in New Zealand. Hey, we yeah. should go. Yeah. We should oh, just yeah. go down, like, just find earth. the cabin. So David, Agents of Flower Girl. <laughs> From great to amazing. <laughs> uh, Agents of Shield uh, is still going really, really strong this season. Just talk about the, the all the hero stuff really quickly. Agents of Shield really strong. There was an episode, the last episode, not the one from this week, but the one before, was intriguing and probably one of the best episodes for a while. It's actually called uh, 4,470, and basically it explains where 
uh, Simmons has been because she got sucked down to another dimension and the entire episode is her on an alien planet and it's the 4,470 hours that she was on this planet and what happened to her. And you just go, that's a pretty ballsy move for a show which is basically supposed to be about S.H.I.E.L.D. and here she is yeah. just off on a planet all by herself. So really good episode, really good stuff, really delving into the inhuman stuff. Can we have a regular segment called Agents of Flower Girl? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out why it's Agents of Flower Girl. Fla- Flaro. Flash Arrow Supergirl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fl- uh, oh that's awesome. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Arrow is, I think, still trying to find its feet this season. It's okay. It's good. It's Arrow. It's He's Green Arrow. But it seems to have lost its dark edge because they're going, well, Flash works and Supergirl's working. Mm. We'll come back to Supergirl. What's the thing they said they wanted to do? And so they're going, lighten it up. But the problem is that's not what we wanted to see with Arrow. We quite liked its darkness. But anyway, it's working. It's okay. But... And next week uh, episode, we have Constantine coming into it. For those who are in Australia, uh, Flash and Arrow are both fast tracked on Foxtel, mm-hmm. so you can I'm actually just watch those. Because when Jessica Jones comes out, this is all pushed to the side. Like like four shows are just like hell's <laughs> fucking yes. Yeah, it's like 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 DC's got four shows, yeah. and it's just like sorry. Yeah. We got 20 episodes here. Yeah. <laughs> like the, for some Twelve. people, Twelve. it'll be. For some people, it'll be that way. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be, <laughs> put it this way when yeah. Daredevil came out, I didn't watch anything else for the week. <laughs> <laughs> so this will be the same. Anyway, uh, and Flash, all I'm going to say about Flash, we don't want to spoil because of the two week the two week limit. And this is actually just on two weeks. So I'm going to say it, but it's, it's minor. It's not actually part of the plot. All I'm going to say is Flash is going from strength to strength. And they're just embracing their comic bookness completely. Mm. I mean, they literally in past episodes in this season so far have actually said he could be from any one of the 52 Earths. <laughs> and they regularly refer to Earth 2 now <laughs> and Earth 1. And you just think, oh, they're just, just, just doing it. Yeah. And in an episode, two episodes ago, they actually put on screen, it was very short, it was only for about a minute, they actually put on screen a 10-foot tall King Shark. And you just went, I can't believe they fucking did that. <laughs> you know? so it's like, and, he yeah. looked, and he looked awesome. You Flash, know? you have jumped the shark and kept on running. <laughs> Amazing. Did he actually jump it? In the end of the no, he was, I, won't, I won't spoil what was happening. But anyway, uh, so that's that's our wrap-up in, in uh, oh no, no, our one more. Two weeks ago, Supergirl Supergirl launched, finally, in the States. Now, for Australian viewers, you can get it on American iTunes, but for our Australian listeners, it is actually coming out on Foxtel in December, (laughs) so it's not being fast-tracked. So it is coming out in December, um, but two episodes in now on American television. This is pretty solid stuff. You've watched this, haven't you, Jamie? I've seen the first one. The first one, yeah. It's pretty solid stuff. Now, the first episode leaked. Uh, about three months ago. So a lot of people have seen the first episode. It's now started. The second episode, I'm, I'm glad to report, is actually just as strong, if not probably a little bit stronger than the first episode. doesn't quite have that pilot feel to it right. now. But uh, it all comes down to, once again, it comes down to cast. The girl playing Supergirl, Benoist, is so freaking charming. As Look, as the father of a five-year-old daughter who lo- every time we sit down and watch something you know, as a family, yeah. it's like, who's the girl in this? Who can I attach myself to? I am so excited for Supergirl to come to Australian mm. TV. Like it is going to be so wonderful for Kalinda to to see a superhero and she's going to love know? it. She's going to love yeah. it. Yeah. It is no. It's I actually really, wanted to watch this a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's really. She good. watches Flash with us and she digs Flash, but I can imagine that as soon as she sees Supergirl, she's just going to go off. You know, pop. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, so that's that one. I did watch two films also in this period of time. Very quickly, there's a new documentary that's just launched on Netflix. It's actually a Kickstarter documentary mm-hmm. called Back in Time. I've heard and about it's, this. Yeah. And it's actually a, um, a look back on Back to the Future, but it also delves heavily into people like the DeLorean fan clubs mm-hmm. and the people who want to make time machines and <laughs> uh, and all the fan base and all that fan fever for it. They do talk a little bit about the Eric Stolzing. It's got interviews with Zemeckis, Gale, and everybody mm-hmm. else. It's actually really good. Go and have a look at it. It is streaming on Netflix right now. Well worth having a look at. It is. It does kind of, kind of feel like a DVD extra. Can I? It's the, the nature of that kind still, of documentary. Yeah. This, is a, this is a crazy tangent. But I realized this week, one of the things that you can do as a marketing company to really piss me off Really make me hate your product. Spoil the whole movie in a trail? No, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Spoil the whole movie in the name. Because, like, uh, I'm not going to jump ahead too far here, but The Last Witch Hunter is about The Last Witch Hunter. <laughs> hey, Bridges Place has a bridge. Where is, <laughs> where is Back to the Future? I, I was thinking about this. Spectre? I was thinking about this. Like, Back to the Future <clears throat> is actually, like, it's a, it's a really clever name because it's not just about the literal journey of going back to the future. It's about Robert Zemeckis trying to revisit that whole. Jetsons feel from the 60s, yeah. you know, mm. see what the future is like. And and that's clever. I like that. That really appeals to me. But like the worst, the absolute worst example is the Australian novelist Matthew Riley. No. His books are named for exactly what they are. Seven love, Ancient Wonders. Matthew what's Riley. that book about? I, I love Matthew Contest. What's that book about? Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. What's Contest Don't get me wrong. I like Matthew Riley. I like Matthew Riley. I love Matthew Riley. I love Matthew Riley. But his books have the stupidest names. No, they don't. I disagree with you. I actually disagree with you violently on that one. Please do. Yeah, you know. Let's hear the book. Okay. Very quickly, like, for example, like the Jack West uh, junior series. Isn't I think that, that's quite the clever. Tuna Makers? No, it's John West. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dolphin Free. <laughs> Which you can't say the same for uh, some Matthew Riley books, actually. <laughs> no, well, like, okay, like, say. It's uh, the Dolphins he rejects that make him the best. Seven Ancient Wonders, um, Six Ancient Stones, and uh, Five Greatest Warriors is a cool descending yeah, yeah. Like, tri- thing for a trilogy. You know, like, I, but he, he's not pretentious or wanky. No, 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 in not any at sense. all. Like, Not at all. Um, Don't get me wrong. I, I like Matthew yeah. Riley. Mm. I just think he names his books badly. Yeah, no, I disagree <laughs> completely because, like, yeah, the title, the title, <laughs> the, a bad title is something that that you know is extremely sort of vague. You know, like that isn't gonna be memorable, and that that's that's what no, you got to think me- about. Like, it doesn't have to tell you too much about the story. It's just got to be memorable. That's what makes a good title. No, for me, it's, it's, it's got to be like specific titles yeah. are the worst. If you, yeah, if you see, actually yeah. tell me exactly what's in the story. Like, The Force Awakens titles. is good. There's obviously yeah, going to be memorable. lots of ways to, to interpret yeah. that. And it makes sense in, the, in a statement when you go, did you see Force Awakens? You know, you don't have to sure. even say Star Wars. You know, um, whereas it's like, did you read Temple? It's easy. It runs. It runs. You know? It runs. Did, it oh, runs. It, Temple runs. Hey, <laughs> did you guys watch Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End? <laughs> you know, like, like people don't say at World's End. But see, that's a, people, that's did, another stupid did, title. Did you watch? Parks, Where are they going Pir- in that movie? Did you watch? Did you watch <laughs> On Stranger Tides? Wait, don't you mean Pirates Four? That's a much. Yeah, no, yeah, that's no, a much better name, though. Did you watch Dead Man Tell No Tales? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah, like it's yeah, yeah. yeah. But even Jane, <laughs> you ignorant slut. <laughs> Although, okay, like it's, it, I think like Flowers for Algernon is a good title for a book. Flowers for Algernon is a good title. Yeah, for yeah, a how the hell do we get that? All right, yeah. Moving yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Order. <laughs> All right, now let's move on. 
June Jenny, isn't Jenny. about sand. <laughs> <laughs> one last one, and then Jamie you can tell us about PAX. Uh, Halloween just came and went. Uh, Nicholas and I sat down, we watched Ash vs. Evil Dead, and then we watched Halloween, the original John Carpenter Halloween. And I love my son because my son adored it, and anybody who's going to, you know, He's going to love it. He's going to love me. So I'm going to love him. So basically, he watched it. He loved it. But the observation he made, which I really thought was very astute, was he goes, my God, that film has a long buildup. <laughs> and it's true. When you actually watch Halloween now, it shows you the difference in age of, of the way we make films now. Nothing happens except for tension mm-hmm. for the first hour of that yeah. movie. And then nighttime comes. And once nighttime comes, things start to happen. Yeah. But it's like this buildup. And he said there's this absolute menace in the air all the way through that first hour. You're going, they don't even leave Jabba's Palace until like half an hour. I'm on the loss of that from, from modern TV. Oh, and I do film. too. Yeah. You know, I, I really like Star Trek's prime example. You know, like we were talking about the fact that you could have, you know, three or four bad episodes in a season because you were just building some character. And if you make a Star Trek things. movie, you can have an hour of them flying around the ship in a shuttle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking like they're about to cry. Yeah. <laughs> I think he had an erection yeah. in that scene. Awkwardly, awkwardly <laughs> touching Scotty's shoulder. Yeah. yeah. No, I think Scotty was awkwardly touching his yeah, shoulder. <laughs> Say, Captain, mm, yeah. mm. <laughs> isn't it a big shot? I can't get it up anymore. Tell us about Pax. Wow. Okay. Australia's biggest gaming convention, uh, PAX, short for Penny Arcade Expo, Penny Arcade, famous webcomic um, and internet community. Um, it's It had the best vibe of any con that I've been to in Australia, I'd say. Um, wow, big call. It, uh, so it was literally just everyone there was friendly and having a good time. It felt like, for uh, I don't know if you remember when the Olympics came to Sydney, everyone was just nice. Um, but it it really it it had that beautiful feel of you know we're all here to play games together to have a good time to check out new stuff everyone was excited everyone was hyped and it wasn't just a shopping con Mm. Um, and and there's been a few of those lately where it's just like all there is at this con is booths that we can go and shop at and minor celebrities that we can pay to get our photos taken with and that wasn't this at all this was um, panels of people talking about interested, interesting topics that they were passionate about. Um, this was a massive, massive tabletop gaming area uh, with a huge board game library that people and could just who is that sponsored by? Take things out, and that was sponsored by Good Games. <laughs> um, but uh, but but not not only run by Good Games. It's certainly not only sponsored by Good Games. Like it was actually about the whole community coming together. It was beautiful, um, and so that was wonderful. I was. I spent the majority of the con either working on the Good Games booth or uh, in meetings because we're starting up a publishing arm and mm-hmm. uh, we were meeting with all sorts of game designers who were showing us their games. Monstrous is the first of that, isn't it? Monstrous is the first yeah. one. That's um, And that's actually, I, I can tell you as well, that's being delivered in January as well. So. Yay! Um, I'm, a subs- I'm, I'm, I'm a sponsor of that. So. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. Um, and we've found another couple that we want to, you know, we're going to fast track to Kickstarter and get happening. So, yeah, it's um, it was really good and a wonderful experience. But just the vibe of this con was really great. It was people wandering around, cosplayers and tabletop gamers and video gamers all just hanging out together and really celebrating the game, you know? Um, so PAX was wonderful. It was it was great. Any I, big re- big reveals or anything? No, see, actually, that, that was an interesting thing. And I, I wonder if the fact that we're at PAX Australia kind of hurt us. Like, uh, for example, uh, Wizards of the Coast, um, who make Magic the Gathering, Dropped a huge announcement about the next the next magic set, which is called um, Shadows Over Innistrad, 
And if you know Magic, Innistrad was a really popular set a couple of years ago um, that they're going to go and revisit. But they they made that announcement just at some other Magic tournament in the world um, right. that, that they were having. Like they had a, they they were one of the major sponsors of PAX, so it wouldn't have been hard for them to go. You know what? Mm-hmm. Let's let's make an announcement at PAX Australia. But I think they probably thought oh, Australia, no one will pay attention. So that was a bit sad, but um, there was um, certainly the video gaming. The, the biggest thing for me was the all the indie games that we got to see. I mm-hmm. saw this fantastic game and got to play it called Inflatality, where you know those uh, those big inflatable wavy arm guys at the front of car uh, dealerships? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you play them in a Mortal Kombat-style fighting game. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. Awesome. There was also a really, really wonderful- Did you ever watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia? I, I have seen bits of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah Deandra da- dances <laughs> like one of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's also this... Uh, oh, there's a studio phone. Let's ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> Voicemail. Wow. Um, Dave, your shoe's ringing. <laughs> <laughs> My secret is out. Um, there's also this really wonderful adaptation that's been done of The Warlock of Firetop Mountain, the classic um, fighting fantasy novel where mm-hmm. you... The book where you are the hero. Um, <laughs> and, um, and that's been made into the, just the most beautiful app that I have seen for a game book. Um, and I've seen a few of them. Um, ever and yeah, it looked just—it was a wonderful, wonderful time. But the burning question is: Did you play Crossy Road? <laughs> I did not play what Crossy Road. What is your Road. obsession <laughs> with Crossy you know Road? It's the greatest game. You know made. what? No, you're, you're you're backwards, man. So, uh, <laughs> one of the things they had there was a free play arcade. Um, oh, did so, have, was this one of those things where they put like all the old Nintendo sixty four? Yes, it was. Yeah. So man, I was jamming I went out to one of those at a Super. I was jamming out some R type. I sat there just uh, killing R-type. it on Street oh, Fighter versus X Men. So like cool. it was, it was great revisiting all those old ones. They had like competitions to see who could get the biggest score on Donkey Kong. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. But it was just it I was, love those older arcades. Like um, unless you're, unless not, you're a little person with a strange Jamaican accent, you don't play Donkey Kong. <laughs> like it's not like like, like this arcade. Donkey Kong. Uh, it was this arcade's not like it's just all the the benches, I suppose. Like the, it's Super Nintendos, yeah, Mega yeah. Drives, Game Boys. Absolutely, like, yeah. yeah. Literally every gaming system. They had uh, they had a PlayStation One hooked up with Point Blank. Do you remember the, oh, the yeah. old yeah, shooting game? Yeah, 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 with the light guns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great how, about, how about NES with Duck Hunt? They oh, had yeah. they had NES and Duck Hunt there. Yep. Um, so look, they and they had the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game that is notoriously unbeatable. Um, <laughs> so yeah, look, it, it was really good, and a lot of it just felt like it was being done for the right reasons. You know, it was yes, there was shopping, yes, there was, I guess, corporations there and showing stuff off, but really, it was about gamers getting to get in touch with the people who were making games, mm-hmm. and and there was just so much good conversation and chatter and excitement out of it all. There's a lot of good games coming out. Really loved it as well. Like um I just got Halo five myself. I haven't yeah. started it yet. But next week's Tomb Raider too. Yeah. Well, uh, only on Xbox One. Well and yeah, people are Xbox people One. are still talking about the new Assassin's Creed as well. Like it's yeah, my they're definitely rolling stuff out, that, you know? Yeah. My son yeah. is my and son wants a next gen console for Christmas and he it's like I want a PlayStation. I want an Xbox. I want a PlayStation. I want an Xbox. Yeah, it's like, it's like so lock right. it down. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, you're gonna you're gonna do it? I'm gonna get him a next gen console for well, Because yeah, we need yeah. to decide what, awesome, what platform man. we're getting Lego Dimensions on. Yeah. Well, exactly. He wants <laughs> yeah. that too, and it's like before I can buy it, we need to know yeah. what's going on. That's Although it. I could just buy it for PlayStation 3 and we could be done, but you know. Yeah. So Xbox One's probably the way to go. I don't know. So I don't know. Then you can play with So look one of the one of the battlefront with me online, yeah. you got, got PlayStation as well, then, don't you? No, Battlefront We're on PlayStation Free. I Battlefront. Used to, I used to have PlayStation Four. That we had to sell. It Battlefront looks <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Battlefront looks fantastic. Yeah. I gotta say, but the one thing that I am disappointed about with it is that 
I have to be online multiplayer. I really would no, like. No, apparently you can't play single player. Can you? It's not a story, but you can play yeah, through the yeah, campaigns as yeah. single player. I was talking to a guy at work who actually played the beta and he played single but player. But a story mode, a story mode for that game seems like it would be just yeah, amazing. It's, it's just combat. That's why I used to play uh, Battlefront One. Yeah. I played Battlefront. Like uh but it didn't really have a story. It never did. Like, it was I, just I, didn't, I didn't play the second yeah. one. Yeah. Um, See, I'm, I'm about the story. Like, for the Force, not the Force Awakens. That, that's the new one. Um, what was did the, you say Force Awakens? Star <laughs> Wars. <laughs> what was the What was the one that they had um, where you played Darth Vader's apprentice? Uh, that was, that the, was for, uh, the Force Unleashed. The Force Unleashed. Those games were so yeah. good. First one in particular. Yeah. The first one was yeah, 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 amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, the, I, and Dark Force as a Nintendo was. guy, those games were one of the best uses of the Wii controls I've ever seen because you were play actually no, I played them on Xbox I played them on Wii and you were li- literally doing the moves to do the force yeah. stuff it was great oh that sounds pretty cool it was really cool yeah the motion controller yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so they like need, literally that that, that that part where you <laughs> that part Wars where you crash connect. I've got Star Wars Connect that yeah. part where you crash down the uh, the Imperial Yes, we start destroying. You, bring bring it down. you yeah, literally, yeah, yeah. you literally had to raise your controls up and pull them down. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, yeah That's really so good. Cool. Anyway, um, one of the other fantastic games that came Jaku. out of it. <laughs> Why not? Um, one of the other games that I saw there, which was fantastic, is a, a role-playing game which came off Kickstarter a little while ago called Fragged Empire. It is t- touted as a post-post-apocalypse. So essentially humanity has died, but before they did, they genetically engineered races to come after them and you play people from those races Mm. who have gone through a massive war and everyone sort of either died or retreated back to their home planets. A hundred years have passed and you're just starting to emerge back to the stars and make contact with the others again. Uh, And it just looks like the most fantastic sort of in the Firefly, all the rogues of Star Wars sort of space. Uh, where, that where you're, like fun. Yeah, where you're getting together your little crew and doing some salvage and finding old tech from the times before the war and all this cool stuff. Really, really good-looking game. Awesome. Um, and you, there's sort of four main races in it who all have their own different set of characteristics. And the whole thrust of the thing is about learning to work together and fight against your genetic imperatives because all these races have been genetically engineered to live in different places and do different jobs and that. So um, they're trying to work together and build a civilization again and it's it's really good, really good looking game. Um, so that, you know, I might throw together a session of that for you guys at some yes. stage. Um, I, think that, I think that might be very interesting. Yes. Uh, the other thing, Avery and I sat down and checked out Hellboy. Yeah. Um, which uh, partially it was for me because I'm on the big Del Toro kick at the moment. Um, but... Oh, let's not lie, as dads. It's always about us. <laughs> <laughs> but no, look, I, I also I kind of wanted to show him this because I feel like Hellboy is one of the superhero movies that's probably actually the most accessible for kids. I mean, the, the main character is sort of this, I guess, teenager analog in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and Avery's not a teenager yet, but you know, old enough to get that. Mine is. <laughs> And 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 Hellboy himself, he sort of revels in being who he is, which is really cool. You know, like he actually enjoys being a superhero as opposed to well, so many of the modern ones who are dark and brooding and upset about being a superhero. Yeah. Um, and that's that's really cool. You know, like it's it's the same vibe that I get off the Flash. These guys are not apologizing for putting you know Nazi bashing and robot dudes in their movie. They're they're having a yeah. great time. And gee, ah, oh, that movie still looks so good. Yes. Like Del Toro. Yeah. 
Del Toro makes films to last, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to. Does he indeed? I don't want to gush. Yeah. I don't want to gush yeah. again. I don't want to get Dave started. Yeah. I'm trying not, not to. Yeah. The other thing is that um, is that we've been sitting down. Uh, I have watched an embarrassing amount of interviews with him from Crimson Peak. An embarrassing amount. It's gotten to the point where you know, like he's now in interviews. Dave, if you're watching, please stop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Seriously, um, I'm going to talk about what I've talked about before. Yeah. You can stop watching. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. the other thing is that uh, I've. My better half and I, we've sat down and gotten back into Bones. Um, That's an all right show. Yeah, it is. It is. It's fun. It's. I love David Boreanaz. I loved Angel to bits. Um, like, wow. I can't believe they even bothered to keep making Buffy after they'd started Angel. But um, but he as an actor is just a lot of fun. You know, he knows he knows who he is. He knows mm. what he's giving you when he's on screen. You know, and, and and he's cool about it. My dad's a massive fan of Bones. Yeah, he's been and pushing me to watch it for years. It's a yeah. it's a good little medical it's show. And it's got the other dash in it. And ah, uh, <laughs> she's gorgeous. I mean, they, they both are. But but uh, is she the older? Or the younger? She's, she's the older, the older sister. She, yeah. I, I I dig it. Um, and <laughs> and the show's just great. It's just it's a fun little procedural CSI sort of thing. But you've got this great pair of characters leading it, and uh, and the banter between them is great. And she's. She's the nerdy one, you know, like she's mm. the socially disconnected, which is really interesting because usually it's the it's the guy who's, you know, a bit off off kilter. Um, and uh, and in the season we've just been watching, which I think is the third or fourth, I can't remember. Um, they've uh, they've been put on probation and they're regularly visiting a, a, a psychiatrist who works for the FBI. <laughs> And the psychiatrist is also a, just a fantastic character because he's so insecure about himself. He's quite young <laughs> in the job and not sure what he's doing, but he keeps psychoanalyzing them perfectly and then they just make fun of him for it. It's, it's, uh, it's been a really good little dynamic and lots of fun. Um, go back and revisit Bones. And that's pretty much me for this inappropriately groping things. It's been the longest things. what we've been watching. <laughs> I'll, I'll playing I'll probably inappropriately groping things. I just mentioned a few ever. things in the last few weeks that I've watched. Really quick, because really we've really got one um, last thing that I know you've got something to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> I finished Orange is the New Black season three, yep. which was amazing. Uh, but I really want to want to highlight, because we haven't done it on this show, but Rick and Morty season two and Community season six. Um, <laughs> because the, the two, Dan Harmon just killed it this year. Absolutely killed it. Um I don't know. You've been watching Rick and Morty season two? No, I only watched a few episodes of season one. It actually doesn't appeal to me very much. Yeah, I don't understand it. um, It's not my sense of humor. Maybe jump straight into season two because season two is way more- Can um, I tell you though that the creator of that show, not not the community guy, but the actual- Justin Roiland. Yes, is in Back in Time. Yeah, okay, and right, sure. He is yeah. batshit fucking yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're both geniuses. <laughs> and they actually describe opinion. they actually describe Rick and Morty as being a temper. Oh, I don't know, Rick. They oh. they describe it as being his temper tantrum against Hollywood. Yeah. Apparently, he was yeah. so angry at Hollywood. He yeah. said, "Well, fuck it. See what you think yeah, of this." Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, a running joke in Community season two where um where the dumbest characters are. I'm naturally excited for Age of Ultron. So so there's a, a lot of Avengers. Everyone. Avengers? <laughs> Avengers? Avengers? It's like, what is it with these Marvel movies, man? I don't understand it. <laughs> no, but I just wanted to shout those out because like they are to me like some some amazing, amazing TV that like just goes beyond what you expect it will. And I'll so, talk for a comic Rick and Morty season it. two got quite dramatically heavy. I'll talk and, more about it in the future, but uh, I've been reading through the comic run of the strain and it is Seriously, probably the best comic that I have read in 
yeah, five, ten years. It's amazing good how good stuff. that is. Speaking good of stuff. comics, I should drop in on but, Brian, uh, Brian K. Vaughan. I actually uh, want to give that more attention, so I'll leave it for another time. Yeah. Have you been reading <laughs> Paper Girls? No. Issue two came out of Paper Girls. Have you read Paper no, Girls, I Dave? Read Paper, Girls. Paper Girls is Brian K. Vaughan's new comic book. Wow, another one. Yeah, this is an ongoing now, not, right. not a limited. And um, it is astounding. Gorgeous artwork and design, and his writing is as amazing as ever. But the concept is it's in the 80s and it's a group of paper girls. Like in, uh, They're like 12 to 15 and um, they're up early one morning on a, on a route. And um, yeah, an alien weird device appears and gives people certain wacky, crazy abilities. Cool. <laughs> and it sounds fun. It's great. I will read it. We'll talk great. about it more next week. Yeah, please. Last right. episode, we actually said that a certain trailer was coming out mm-hmm. on the Monday. We were going to miss it by like a day. Yeah. And we said and that like, I'm sure, I'm traveling. I'm sure yeah. you're all going to enjoy it. But we haven't actually had a chance to talk about it. Yeah, and that certain trailer from this. was this. Did she steal Donatello's mask? <laughs> Is this the Who new I Tomb Raider? <laughs> <laughs> Is it me you're looking for? I'm no one. Hello? Liar. <laughs> When you're nobody, you're somebody. <laughs> you're nobody till somebody loves you. <laughs> you're nobody when you're six feet underground. <laughs> I was raised to do one thing. Apparently that was Pant. And a crash TIE Fighter. <laughs> nothing will stand in our way. I will finish what you started. I'll finish? What you started. Does it just mean that his mask look broken there too? Yeah, a little bit. I love the music. Stories about what it's happened. beautiful music. Not John Williams. No. It's true. Well, it is but John Williams. It is. It's just not John Williams for me. This is where the chills hit. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Dark side. S4's locked in attack position. Ah! My favorite shot in the whole trailer. They're real. The Force. It's calling to you. Okay. Phasma's got a touch of that Boba Fett going on there, hasn't she? Just strolling through the battlefield, taking people out. <laughs> now, I gotta say, the first question about this trailer, because we, we talked this trailer. I'm to looking death forward and- to the new Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked this trailer to death between us, but we haven't actually talked on air. And let's just say the trailer is staggering. But the biggest question about this trailer is that voice at the end that says, It's calling to you, just let it in. Is that not Leia? It doesn't sound like Leia. Now, it I've, watched, like Leia. I've watched this trailer about 4,000 times now, mm. and it occurs to me, go back and watch it again several times over if you want, <laughs> but it occurs to me that that sounds like Gwendolyn Christie's voice no, at the end. Yeah, it no, does. Yeah. Have a listen. It's British accent to start with. Now, remember, cue Leia again. lost her British accent after the first film. Can you cue it up film. again now? I've uh, already closed the window. Oh, uh, damn. But uh, trust me, I've been I really speculating. I think it. my speculation is she's talking to Kylo Ren. 
I think she's because Kylo Ren's not a Sith. Remember, he's not a Sith. He is an Order of Ren, right? And he is force sensitive, and he's doing everything he's doing, but he's out of control. What if Captain Phasma has a lot more to do with this? What if she is the one who's basically saying, "You could be great things. You just need to embrace this." You know? Yeah, I think it's. I think that's Gwendolyn Christie's voice. I think that's the. I think that is. I think that last line is the great red herring because I think everybody's going, oh, it's Leia, it's this, it's that. I don't think it's Leia. I think it is actually something that is in reference to something very different. Well, look, if you want to go into the mythology, then you know we need the Sith we in need order it. to in order to make it all work because the whole point of there's always been two, and you know there the, must be balance in the force. Yeah, the there's got to be the balance in the force. Yeah, like yeah. The, there does need to be some bad guys. Yeah, and and everyone's been talking about oh, you know. There's going to be Ren's going to turn to the bright side, the light side, and um, you know, no, no, no we no. need bad guys. Ren is go- Kylo Ren is going to be our Darth Vader for this trilogy. He's going to yeah. be around for a while um, because they need him. Yep, they need him. They need that. They need that Force equivalent to whoever is going to be our Jedi upcomer, which by the looks of it is Finn. Um, I'm, a, I'm a subscriber to your theory, Dave. I yeah. like it. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. Anyway, that being said, all those who have wondered what we actually thought of this trailer, Dave. Yeah, it was amazing. Yep. Jamie. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. on that note. It's time for Dave's quiz. Yay. No, I just, I just been, I'm, I'm ready for Force Awakens now. I'm. I'm, I don't know. Oh, I'm, I'm ready for it. I, I was ready for it a couple of weeks ago. Dude. Be careful. You've seen Click, right? You don't want to fast forward. <laughs> All right. Let's get it. Dave, are you ready? Your uh, five sure. quiz questions in Star Wars. Ranging from ridiculously stupidly easy to ridiculously hard. Okay. <laughs> so, and Jamie, of I'm course. I'm copying a lot of shit for this. And for, Jamie. For right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Matthew White thinks you should have yeah, a geek card taken off of you. I'm going to actually open this to both of you, though. Okay. So, just, just raise a I hand. Feel I feel... I partially have to recuse myself from this. One of my friends bought this game. Oh, <laughs> you cheated. Well, I didn't cheat. <laughs> uh, and in fact, the questions we saw were so insanely ridiculously hard that, you know. They're, they're further in the box. <laughs> some of them are nuts. All right, here we go. Question number one. Dave, remember, you can call for the multiple choice if you want. Okay. okay. So, question number one, Dave. Where did Chewbacca find a troubled C-3PO in Cloud City? What? Where did Chewbacca... Find a troubled C-3PO in Cloud City. What part of Cloud City? Where, yeah. where was he found? What are, what are the multiple yeah, choices? Give, give multiple the, choices are Platform 327, or number B, in the droid cleansing center, C, in a junk pile, or D, on a mining belt. Oh, it's the junk pile, isn't junk it? Junk pile, yeah. thank you. Yay. I was like, what am I supposed to name? Like, yeah, that's right. Like, in Cloud City, like, well, uh, he found The rooms <laughs> didn't have labels, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Now, this one is interesting, because this one I got straight away. Nicholas had trouble with this one, so okay. th- this one should be one of the easies. What did Luke Skywalker tell Han Solo he was going to investigate on Hoth? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, give me the multiples. The multiple yeah. choices are a Wampa, a, me- <laughs> a meteorite, a probe droid, or an uncharted settlement. It's the meteorite. Meteorite, yeah. thank you. Hey, Han, I'm going to go check out a Wampy. Want to yeah. come? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you can't get this, I will revoke your geek card. Who said, hurry up, Golden Rod, or you're going to be a permanent resident? <laughs> <laughs> That's solo. Hey, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Uh, 
What attacked Luke Skywalker on Hoth? Uh, this is the uh, Wampa. Uh, the Wampa. Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to see a damn Wampa. And now, but they smell bad. Dave on the outside. specifically said the last time that mm-hmm. he was always better at the behind the scenes questions. Yeah. Behind the scenes question. Oh, oh, now the pressure's on. Where were the Hoth sequences filmed? Oh, uh, Norsk. Isn't or, it? Or the English word? Uh, Norway. Norway. Yeah. Thank you. Woohoo! <laughs> and that brings us to a conclusion of the Star Wars trivia game this Yay. week. <laughs> Some of those Hoff scenes were filmed directly out of uh, the hotel doorway. Yes. Yeah, because of snow winds. <laughs> those questions were so much better than the ones that I saw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, look, shall we have a preview for later? Let me have a look here. Oh. Um, here you go. This um, game is this game is insanely hard in places. Okay, so this is this is one of them that, that I won't give you on air because it's also a really terrible game. I'm just oh, like, oh, <laughs> give, give it to me on air. Go on, just do it. Right. Which subspecies of Mustafarian is tall and thin? <laughs> Would you like the multiple choice? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, southern, B, eastern, C, northern, D, western. <laughs> that, yeah, okay. That's the kind of thing where you'd have to have read some you'd have to have read dictionary. The to it's northern, by the way, for those who are out or wondering. That was the my northern, guess. The northern oh, totally Mustafarians northern. are... <laughs> <laughs> it was in the back of my head the whole time. I was going, northern, yeah. Uh, yeah. And once again, because we are an hour and eight... <laughs> and once again, because we are an hour and eight minutes into this... Equatorial. This is, is going to end up becoming the running joke of this show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're putting off Dave's voice yeah. to hey, Star they, Trek again. Star oh. Trek might be back on TV by the time we get yes. to it. We're coming to that news because I want to do a couple of the news stories at least. But first of all, it's time for Faceback. Woo! <laughs> yeah! This is Jamie's okay. second. So hang on, let's open up Facebook. And oh, you it. didn't even open it? I did open it, but you, you covered back. it up with right. other stuff. Sorry, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll just kill some time. Where's it gone? We'll someone, just kill some time. Someone's stolen it. There we go. You are now about to witness the strength <laughs> of street knowledge. <laughs> you believe any of this voodoo bullshit, Blair? Have you found it yet? Face back. Okay, so I just played everything on my soundboard. That was surprisingly good. We use that intro every week. So, <laughs> all right, tell us about some feedback. Next week, his soundboard is going to have a cut of all that on the soundboard. It's all the soundboard on the soundboard. Oh, my God. I oh may my work God. on that. This Players. is so meta. <laughs> all right. So uh, people are telling us about the fact that there's a new Star Trek series, but that's in the news, so we'll talk about it later. People have been taking our recommendations for reading Guardian Devil. That's Derek Winterberg. Oh, I did see a few of these, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he really enjoyed it, uh, it particularly as a viewer skew fan. Um, yeah, Derek. Which, uh, which really, that rocks. And we've got to give a shout-out to Derek because uh, Derek is not only an Aussie expat, but uh, he's just uh, celebrated his 15th wedding anniversary. Oh, Yay. congratulations. Um, Congrats. Yeah, and married on the day that Marty McFly visited, oh, was he visited really? the That's future. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, which is pretty cool. Um, Matthew Kutusiak wants us to talk about the fact that there's a night at the Roxbury simulator for Oculus Rift. What is Why? <laughs> I got to play the <laughs> Oculus. I did get to play with the Ocul- Oculus Rift a little bit at PAX, and my God, that is a cool piece of tech. Yeah. Um, I heard they're, they're doing a version of Pokemon Snap. 
Yeah, I've heard, the, the I've heard that too. Yeah, I really, yeah, I, I really hope that there's just some cooler stuff than Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> I want games are like falling, like where it's just you falling out of out of a helicopter or something. <laughs> like, um, uh, e. I love that list, by the way. It's a great. Should, yeah, Derek, oh, Derek has put up a December checklist. December Sorry. checklist. Very one, quickly. buy presents to do. Two, buy, tree. buy a tree to do. Three, decorate house to do. Four, buy tickets for Star Wars The Force Awakens. Done. <laughs> Very cool. Now, I was going to say, how cool would it be to preserve those um, like Universal theme park rides on the Oculus Rift? Mm. Like they could do like the ET ride, you know, like uh, the Gremlins ride, like stuff like that. Back to the Future ride, which yeah. is now gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah ET's gone too, I believe. No, I think ET's still there. No, I think they got rid of it. Did like you guys? Did so. you guys hear on Hollywood Babylon this week? They were talking about the fact that there's a Jimmy Fallon. Like theme park ride opening. Oh, good lord! Like what? <laughs> uh, is that because he was in Jurassic World? I guess. Maybe. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Anything now, else? That was all the feedback that didn't relate directly to our wanky academic question of the week. Aha! Yes. Which uh, which is uh, let's 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 talk about this very quickly. I mean, well, let's start with the question itself. So we asked on the last show when uh, basically when a director comes up with a director's cut or a. a director's preferred edition of a film, do we as an audience have any sort of obligation or necessity or, you know, anything to engage with that over the original? Or, or you know, is the original treasured and precious and we should put it on a pedestal and, you know, what's 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 the relationship there? Oh, Dave, what do you think? <clears throat> yeah, I actually engaged in this conversation on Facebook for a fair bit. Um, I think I think it's it all boils down to that it's a case-by-case case, uh, situation. Like, um, you're going to be a little bit distant because you're talking over your microphone. Oh, am I? Into oh. it. I yeah, Dave's Sorry. not here. <laughs> I'm just like, Dave's gone. getting more and more casual. His mic is falling down, and he's talking, the show's going to start sounding like this. Yeah, I was thinking. I guess. <laughs> I guess it's a question for the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Want to come up and see my director's cut? <laughs> uh, cut or no cut? What are you? <laughs> no. Oh, hello. Um, no, I don't know. Like, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, the kind of thing is like. Um, All right. Well, you reckon ah. it's case by case. Give us some cases to talk about. Okay. So the, the uh, I'll do a pro and a con situation. So like for me, like a con is a director's cut like Donnie Darko, where it's, you've loved a film for so long that you think it's great. It's perfect. You've never known that there were behind the scenes problems or different ambitions, different directions. So at, at that point in time, it, is it worth doing a director's cut? Because, you know, if you're going through and you're making additions, like spelling out everything that you meant, um, dumbing down certain ideas to broaden the, the audience of the movie or um, changing the soundtrack. Because like sound is a, a big part of a movie. And so, you know, if you're going to change the tone and feel of your film completely, what's the message you're sending out? That first point, yeah. that first point you made then was really important to me. I like ambiguity in a film. I mm. like being told as the audience that I can make a judgment for myself and I it shits me to tears yeah. when a director will go back and say, no, this is exactly what I meant. Yeah, because like in the case of Donnie Darko, it's a really big one. Yeah, and it's, it's the Darko, case for Blade Runner he, too. Yeah, you know, like, it, well, to a lesser extent, I guess, in Donnie Darko, it's really bizarre because yeah, it's... Yeah. I don't know if you've seen the director's cut of Donnie Darko. I have, yeah. Have you, Dave? <laughs> Actually, I've avoided the director's cut yeah. of Donnie Darko because I have been told everything that you're saying. Yeah. I have some very strong opinions on this, so mm. I will, I'm just waiting yeah. to hear. Yeah, so so my other, my other aspect to it is like um, uh, if the director has come out with specific intentions that you feel is interesting, then 
Yeah, I guess so. But I don't know what you hold over the other. I don't know. Uh, for me it's personally, like, it's, it, I it think gets it gets very academic. For me personally, I think a lot of it depends on two factors. One factor is how much interference was in the film before its release. Mm. And two, is the original version still going to be available? Those yeah, are, those are the two factors thing. for me. Yeah. I look at it this way. Um, there is a, first of all, we should be very clear about our definition. There is a difference between an extended edition and a director's cut. Okay, mm. A director's cut is what the director's original vision was. It's usually what is actually delivered to the studio. And then the studio says, no, you need to make cuts. Yeah. Time, relevance, rating, whatever it might be for, but they have to make cuts to fit yeah. it into whatever time that the studio wants. Yeah, because an extended like, version um, is they'll can I just imp, jump on that really yep. quickly. Like that, that to me highlights a big thing because it's the movie is made not just by the director. No, of course, it's, it's a it's a conjunction with the studio. So when you label it director's cut, there is a certain implication. And very, very yeah. few directors in Hollywood. Can we make this very clear? If you read enough literature about Hollywood. Very few directors in Hollywood have Final Cut. Yeah, mm -hmm. you have to be a power player to mm, have absolutely. Final Cut. Even Ridley Scott, I don't think, has full Final Cut because he mm. keeps getting goddamn cut. You mm -hmm. know what I yeah. mean? Um, Spielberg has Final Cut, and he's very openly said, "I have Final Cut yeah. on anything I work on," and that's fine. JJ Abrams was talking about this recently that he he has Final Cut for The Force Awakens, yeah. but there are so many loopholes in Final Cut contracts that. He has they, final they could override yeah, him. He has easily. final cut on the film, but the film is not his film. It's actually yeah. Lucasfilm's film. Yeah. There's, there's and some Kathleen kind of, Kennedy yeah. could actually declare cuts. Yeah, there's, so. there's, he actually explained it. There's some kind of loophole in the contract, which is like if the filmmaker delivers uh, a movie that is not what was agreed upon beforehand or mm. is um, deemed unreleasable in its current form by yeah. the studio, sure. then they can in of interfere. And so he sort of said like, so there's so much ambiguity in that phrase that they can just say like yeah. a second but most of people, film is not in When line. you're dealing with people of yeah. the level of Martin Scorsese, J.J. Abrams, Steven Spielberg, they're going to trust yeah, that they know what they're doing. And they're not going to be stupid. Like, track like J.J. Abrams is not going to like put a giant cock in the middle of no. Force Awakens. I, I thought like... one of the X-Wings was actually shaped like a giant cock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, well, I, I joke. They've already um, got Anthony Daniels. Who <laughs> 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 is a giant cock, apparently. That, that was my joke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was just clarifying. We, did, yeah. we really don't don't need to discuss the P-Wing, okay? It's <laughs> um, so with that being said, that there's an extended there's a difference between extended cuts. And in this particular day and age, we are living in uh, an age where extended cuts are common practice. They release it at the cinema. The studio insists on PG-13s because they get the greatest box office. And then when they release it on home video, they release a higher rated cut or in America, an unrated cut where they can put everything back in and they release it as a special extended edition. And most of the time, these are pointless. Yeah, and they're, they're worse films. They'll just, they'll just add the word fuck in a few more times and maybe a titty shot. Sure. You know? Or they'll, or something or like they'll wreck the pace of the entire or, film. Hang on, hang Which on, actually, hang on. Like the 40-year-old virgin. That is not pointless. <laughs> <laughs> which I was about to say, yeah. if you've actually seen the film Stripes, yeah. which is one of my favorite comedies. Great movie. movie. And on Blues Brothers, same. And Blues Brothers. Mm -hmm. They released those onto DVD and they actually had a released extended versions yep. of both of these films, and neither of them worked. No. They pacing, because we know those films so well yeah. that the jokes suddenly fell flat. They were, the pacing was all wrong in them, and they are great examples of don't fuck with them because they work. Now, what's interesting is Blues Brothers has come out on Blu-ray 
back in its original form. Yeah. yeah. Stripes has not come out yet, but I'm waiting for Stripes to come out in Blu-ray where they put it back to its original form because the extended cut is not funny. Yeah. It doesn't work. It completely yeah. killed. It had a lot, film. lot more dead space in it. Yeah, I yeah. Think, I think like, uh, like see, but yeah. a director's cut. Let's Sorry. go back to. Let's go back to. I was just going to get quite academic. Well, I'm about to say before well, you we get can, really we academic, can. we can. Yeah. Before you get there, let's talk about Blade Runner for just one second. Mm-hmm. Blade Runner was a film that was fucked with heavily. So yeah. Ridley Scott delivers his film. And the studio didn't like the ending. The studio didn't like the unicorn. The studio thought they didn't make any sense. He, they thought it was dark. But I mean, the studio just went to town on him. Mm. And so he was forced to add the voiceover because they thought that yeah. might add clarity. And he was forced B-roll to, from The Shining. B-roll from The Shining for the finale so that they could have their happy ending mm-hmm. tacked onto it. They took out, they excised the unicorn. Um, so they basically, they just massacred this film. Now, that being said, the film that was finally released by the studio was not terrible. Mm. And and there's a lot of fond feelings for the 1982 version of Blade Runner. And in fact, the dialogue, that Sam Spade voiceover mm. is actually kind of endearing. And there's yeah. something about it that is. voiceover that I actually really miss. This, this is actually a really important note because like, how many movies do you reckon would benefit a director's cut? There are probably thousands and thousands. There probably of are a number that would improved, get better. But the kind of thing is that but they're I, already bad. Can I also see, tell you? No, I, they're I already think it bad. Depends. No, no, hold on. They're already bad. They underperform. So why would they fund a director's cut? The interesting point, though, that Dave, so Blade every... Runner's got to have some value. So with Blade yeah, Runner, you know. Blade Runner turned into be a massive cult film, though, and that's the thing about yeah. Blade Runner is the fact that. If it had done no business, because remember it bombed at the box office, so if it had done no business, never picked up a cult following, we would never have seen a a director's cut. Mm. However, what happened with Blade Runner is it became this massive cult underground film where everybody loves Blade Runner, and we started to see extra footage. When the Criterion disc came out, it actually had extra footage in it, and when uh, another version of it came out, there was a different cut of it. So people started to get wind that there was a lot of different footage out there for this film. Then we start seeing original scripts and and storyboard art where we're seeing unicorns and we're st- and then we f- people start piecing together the ending is actually from The Shining. So what yeah. was the original ending? People got curious and people got really curious to the point where they dug up a work print and the work print was shown at cons. And when the work print was shown, everybody lost their fucking minds because suddenly it had a different ending and it didn't have a voiceover and people going, this is a different film and it means something completely different. Which should be very stressed very clearly that Ridley Scott himself had very little to do with the director's mm. cut in the 90s. When that See, came, but that director's cut is excellent. No, no, no. It's his cut in the sense of it's based on his storyboards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's based on his script. Yep. But he actually didn't do it. Mm-hmm. It was actually a restoration company who said, we're going to do this. They spoke to Ridley Scott, said, can we have permission to do this? This is all in a documentary, by the way, called yeah. Dangerous Days, which is fantastic, yep. which is on the special exclusive. It's about two hours mm-hmm. worth of documentary. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they actually talk about the, the fact discs. that they, they talked to him. He said, yeah, go, you've got my blessing. Go ahead and do it. And they pieced together the director's cut and released it back into cinema which everybody went, wow, this is an amazing film because suddenly it actually meant something else. You were actually suddenly paying attention to what people were doing, not listening to a voiceover. And so suddenly everything meant something else. And of course the ending was different. The final cut that came out just recently, Ridley Scott himself oversaw. And I thought it was really bad. (laughs) I see. I love the the final cut. I did because... Well, sorry, I didn't think it was really bad. That's 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 a misnomer. It had one really bad thing in it that really upset me, which, which was? is which is making it clear that Deckard is a replicant. Mm. That's in that's in the director's cut. 
In the director's cut, it's left ambiguous. No. It, it might be that or it might be just the crazy old man well, making origami. No, no, no. The director's, the director's cut that was released in 1992, yeah. uh, 10 years after Surely. the film, and the again. final cut are exactly the same cut of film. The difference between the final cut and the director's cut is the polish, where they went and cleaned everything up and just tightened things. There's one in between them somewhere. There's, there, there's, one, that, there's one where... It ends with him finding the unicorn. the unicorn on the stairs, and that's pretty much... That's the end of the director's that's cut, the end and of the that's the end of the final cut. Are you sure yep. in the final cut that there was something... Nope. At the end of the final cut, that's the end of the film. So where Ridley Scott always intended the film to end was he finds the unicorn, which indicates that which, the guy knows what he dreamt. Yeah. He looks at it for a second, mm-hmm. drops it, goes in the elevator, doors closed, black screen. Right. That's the end of the film. Then in the 82 version, we cut to them driving through the countryside. And the voiceover says, Yeah, you know, yeah, no, I've seen it. She's got a longer life, blah, 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 and all that sort yeah, of nonsense. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's nonsense. The director's cut and the final cut are the same. The only differences between the final cut and the director's cut, the big differences, are the polish. They actually digitally fixed things like people whose mouths weren't in sync and the fact that you could see the stunt woman's face on the woman running through the glass. And, and There's one where. I, I can't remember which one it is. There's, one, five one cut, of the, there's four cuts of this film. One so. of the cuts, they've specifically taken out Harrison Ford blinking from a few of the scenes so that you know he's a replicant. I've never noticed that. It's, uh, yeah. I, I was, this is going down a, a real, real well. <laughs> I think it's, I think if you're a, noticing his blinking, yeah. you're paying way no, too no, no, much no, no, attention no, no. to the film. It's not that. It, it's, it's <laughs> How a, can you say that about no. a cult film? <laughs> it's, it's it's a well of Blade Runner. It's like like Blade Runner is not the be all, the end all. No, what I'm saying, yeah, I know, but, but the kind of thing that the people like. No, like, it is no, a broad, it guys, is a broader question. Absolutely. Like, like, but but well, what we got to focus on with the director's cut phenomenon is that these are decisions that are made years after the film's been yeah. re- watched and received. Sure. So it's it's not the ideal circumstance for art because you're you're going back and like the final cut for Blade Runner, the director's cut of Blade Runner. These these are all hindsight decisions. But does you that know, make like, them like, any less val- any less valid if you if you've taken people's no, feedback and uh, you're yeah. doing something to yeah, try and appeal to them that's more. That's the kind of because what's interesting is like then then you take the film out of its time, you take the film out of its context. Yeah. And the the Ridley Scott that made Blade Runner in 2004 where he went and shot additional footage. He's not the one who made it. nowhere near the same person that made Blade Runner Absolutely. back in the day. And and so the kind of thing is like maybe it's more interesting if we look at the screenplay and what was intended in the writing process or look what Philip K. Dick well, intended. Well, yeah, the problem is like, I don't think you can go back that far because the problem is films change so, so, so much from maybe. script to script. It's, it's, well, to me, it's Actually, that's same. really interesting. It's, it's, if, you, if you're happy to, to jump 20 years forward... Yeah, jump yeah, yeah. 20 years back. Like, I can um, see what you're getting at. I can absolutely yeah. see what you're getting at. And to bring Philip K. Dick into it is really interesting too because that's an entirely different level of what's going on in the film um, because Dick's mm. Dick's original novel and Blade Runner are already quite different yeah. beasts. They basically, they basically share a, 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 a genus of a concept. That's right. Yeah. And then they stray from each other. Yeah. Well, all right, let's look at Ridley Scott though and let's look at something that was a lot closer to home mm. and a director's cut versus uh, a theatrical cut, which is Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah. So Kingdom of Heaven, he comes along, he makes this film, which is supposed to be his grand mm. opus. The studios would not release it in the form that he had made it. It was yeah. too long. Mm-hmm. And it was an era where basically they said it has to be PG-13, has to, they have to fit so many sessions in a day. Yeah, absolutely. Okay? So they massacre the film. They just, they just chop it down yeah. to a two-hour film. 
Okay. The now fit- this is this isn't an era where we've had Lord of the Rings, and I don't understand why they would do this to this film, but they did. The, and- the fit so many sessions in a day thing is the worst. Oh, it's thing. terrible. It's, it's just- terrible. Again, so- this is another one of those things where it's like. Um- if Kingdom of Heaven was made today, it might be a different story. Maybe, and it may be. But the thing is, with Ridley Scott, I'm not entirely sure because if you think, only a few years ago he released Robin Hood mm. and as soon as it came out in Blu-ray, he released a director's yeah, cut. I think Exodus yeah. is a director's cut. Too, Director, right? Exodus is a director's yeah. cut as well. Always. And you sit there and you look at it and go, I'm not quite sure what happens with Ridley Scott. It's almost like they just motorboat over the top of him or something. I don't know what it is. They chop him up. He might not Kingdom care of, too much. Well, maybe. Kingdom of Heaven comes out. It bombs at the box office. The critics savage it. The audiences hate it. Mm. And then when he releases it on DVD a few months later, they release this big deluxe director's cut. And suddenly those very same critics are going, masterpiece. Mm -hmm. It is brilliant. The audience (laughs) is going, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And fair enough, I've seen it. It is a far better film. And you sit there and go, in that situation... The director's vision was right. Mm. He had the right vision to start with and he was chopped down and yeah. destroyed. And that's potentially a very big issue in this question is, is the director necessarily right? Sometimes, not Sometimes the answer is yes, absolutely. Sometimes, mm. maybe there not. Been, there have been, for every case we can cite where the director's cut is better, Dave and I could cite a version where the film has been presented, the studios hate it, they've recut it, locked the director out of the room yeah. and released a film that's turned around and made a billion dollars. Well, I mean, so we, here's we, the we one we were just talking uh, before about Army of Darkness. Yeah. 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 Here's the one that I want to talk about is uh, Days of Future Past and the road cut mm. because I really really liked Days of Future Past. I thought it was a fantastic film. I saw the road cut and I really liked the new stuff they had added, but I didn't like the overall cut of the film as much Because they'd taken out some stuff that I thought yeah, was actually, quite valuable. Yeah. I actually didn't like the road cut at all. And because all I felt all the way through it was this was a cynical exercise to get an extra 20 bucks yeah. out of me. Well, and I, I can understand that. Yeah. I can yeah. understand and there that. Was no, there was no reason to release this version. Oh, well, I was trying to look at it away from those sorts of concerns and just think, you know, which of these two cuts of the film is more and, interesting. And I mean, the, the impact of that film is going to be the film I saw at the cinema. That's the one that had yeah. impact. And when I look at the road cut, I sit there and go, okay, I've watched it. I will never watch it again, yeah. but yeah. I will watch my Blu-ray of the original Of the original cut. film, yeah, that's this, right. The, 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 the naming is very important. It's like extended cut, special edition. Mm-hmm. Um, director's yeah. cut. No, no, no. Director's cut's the one we leave out in this. Because okay. the director's cut implies artistic intent. Yeah. Sure. Whereas like um the the unrated edition, alternate the, cut, unrated, the uncut, the rogue cut. Yeah. Sure. Like um Yeah, these are you know, these are different yeah, beasts. They're different things entirely because they're they're what not really What is it? Really uh, Highlander 2, the, the Renegade cut. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Stuff like that, you know, like the the balls out edition. Yeah, you know, something like that. Um, so but, we cut the film down to the but to director's, three minutes. director's cuts are the, are the ones that are implying very specific things that the filmmaker was unhappy Rock with out with your Glocks out edition, remember? Yeah. <laughs> but when you hear the name director's... Yeah, exactly. But when you hear the name director's cut, it, Im- it implies something very specific, which is that the filmmaker was not happy with the movie. It does. That... that you and watched. he's come back to fix it. You've got to say theoretically come back. Like to you've, you've got to imagine back, yeah. that we're never going to see Tusk, the director's cut, because it already is. Yeah, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and different filmmakers have different opinions. And um, Tarantino has know, actually gone on record as saying that he releases yeah. he releases a film at the cinema. That is his yeah, cut for good or bad. That's it. Yeah, mm. for good or bad, because it's like that's what they're releasing for the public to watch. A director's Correct. cut mm. for a lot of filmmakers is is like a backhanded apology. Mm. Thanks for the money, mm. but you know. 
you didn't appreciate the movie how you should have. You've, and yeah. like when you look at um, Stripes, Stripes doesn't say director's cut. Doesn't even say extended. No, cut. it is a it's extended edition. It doesn't even say that. It just says Stripes. But when you watch it, you suddenly go. This isn't the version of Stripes no, I saw I've, before. I've got one that says extended yeah. edition. And so you sit top. there and you look at it and go, yeah. why would you do that to this film? Yeah. And I'm sure, you know what? Ivan Reitman knows comedy. Ivan Reitman cut that film. Yeah. He would have actually cut it so that it was sharp and tight mm. and everything else. Yep. Yeah. And you sit there and go, a studio came in and said, do you know what would be, be, you know be good? Let's put more laughs in. That's you what know? frustrates right. me yeah. about the 40-year-old virgin because for, for years mm. that was not available in um theatrical, in theatrical cut. cut. And the thing is that that film, like, and the way, if you know how Apatow yeah. works, was test screened a thousand times. And, like, it, it was fine tuned mm. to, to be paced that way. And this uh, would have happened with the Blues Brothers, yep. with Stripes. It would have been gone through so many test screenings to. to and well, and there's watched for 20 years before yeah. they even released it. Yeah, and this is the kind of yeah. thing. It's like they, they're turning around in a way and going, yeah, you can't. Well, but test screenings are, are yet another thing, aren't yeah. they? I mean, the, the original. The original film of uh, Star Trek Generations, yeah, tested so poorly that they, they went back and reshot the, parts the because Kirk Kirk, people were so yeah. angry about. And Kirk I will, scenes. and I will yeah. tell you on the record I because I the was there and I saw it firsthand. A <laughs> test screening made Rob Schneider live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I went to see, when I went to see at the Hollywood <laughs> Cinerama right. Dome, the test screening Judge of Dredd. Judge Dredd, yeah. yeah, Rob Schneider's character died at the end of the film. And they gave us all the little cards and we all filled them out. And obviously a lot of people said, oh, why did Rob Schneider have to die? Because in the final cut, at the very end, they roll him by on a stretcher and he's going, I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so two things. First is uh, just just quickly to cap off Rogue. I'd really like to see a, a sort of a complete edition that had all the stuff that was taken out and the stuff that was added in. But you in can't and- because Rogue replaces. I know that I can't, a character. and that's disappointing. And that's the problem is that yeah. she replaces a character. They reshot it. They did it their way. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that you know, had Brian Singer actually had director directorial fiat to do what he wanted, it all would have worked. You know, like there would have been all the characters and it would have all come Ooh, together. Yeah. But um, you know, obviously the studio didn't want that. Yeah. Um, but uh, the second thing is uh, I want to talk about some of the things that our uh, listeners have said. Um, yeah, can I jump on the Roland Bath uh, thing quickly? Well, can, can we read the Roland Bath thing yeah, first? Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, so Chris Comfort, he's a very clever guy. He um, He's doing a, a PhD, he's a friend of mine, um, in, well, this sort of thing. Um, so uh, he's he's said straight up it's a case-by-case basis, just like Dave did. Agreed. Um, he, uh, he wanted to bring up uh, the whole death of the author thing and that mm. some directors – Probably should leave their work alone. Yes. Um, and accept Lucas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I want to talk about exactly. Yeah. Well, he is the elephant yeah. in the room. So talk about <laughs> yeah. Lucas to us. Yeah. So like that, like with the special editions, that that all the decisions and choices are arbitrary. Yeah. Like there are some good choices, there are some bad choices, but they're all pointless. But where you get really kind of academic, I don't want to say the word wanky because I be- I believe it. Like <laughs> that, that's just me putting a bit of spin yeah, on that. Yeah, but like the Roland Barth thing, uh, we studied in depth. We studied it like for a year yeah. in university, and uh, my lecturer would always say Roland Barth. <laughs> so it's a name that I've known for a long time, and I agree with Roland Barth because once the work is put out, you don't own it anymore. The audience owns it. It, and because that that is a that is a core element of, of film history, because uh, film itself is one of the few mediums that can, if there's any, I don't even know if there's any other, but film particularly captures time perfectly, like um, down to the, the the minute reproduction. These were the clothes that we wore in this time period. 
the, these were how we moved the camera because of what technology was able to do. Here was how we built models. Here's how actors. It was here's also, how people spoke. It's also a snapshot um, of the time as well. If you think yeah, about, here's if you how think we felt. But, but that's kind of like, yeah. Uh, yeah, snapshot of the time is a really good way of putting yeah, it. If you think that, about that's, 19, that's kind think of about the heart of, of what Stripes is a really good example. We come back to this again. Stripes mm. was 1980. Okay, yeah. and in 1980, the entire first scene of Stripes takes place with her getting dressed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she's just casually in her underwear, putting her shirt on. Her boobs are out. Blah blah blah. Not a word is spoken about this casual sense of nudity. Yeah, would never happen today. That's yeah. right. It's a completely different mindset. You know. People get it uh, uh, all the time. Like, um, you can watch a World War II movie, but it's nothing in comparison to. Did that today? World War II America footage. would have Goldie Horn control rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, or, like, you know, you're startled when you see a photograph, you know, from like the 1920s. Yeah. Okay, uh, but, but hang but, on a sec. But, but, to, to play devil's advocate, mm-hmm. uh, you know, having taught all this and, and, and knowing Roland Barthes really well, um, he's, there's, a, there's a strong argument that he's wrong. Well, the, 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 there the, is too. A lot of people the, disagree with the, it. The, but, the death yeah. of the author, the concept of the death of the author for anyone who doesn't know is basically that once you have produced the work, you it's no longer have control or influence yeah. over it. Yeah, because it's it's out. But at the same time, and and I mean, I guess part of this is, is personal choice, but, but at the same time, let's look at Shakespeare. Romeo and Juliet is a product of its time. Mm. It makes sense in its time. It doesn't make sense today. It doesn't. Yeah, the, but we don't need the story to, don't doesn't need, yeah, doesn't fit. The, the, yeah, the line there is like you don't want to go and re-edit or rewrite Shakespeare. Oh, well, exactly. Like, but the like you can. You're more than welcome to. You're more than just, welcome to. Just don't burn Shakespeare's original manuscripts. Can somebody yeah, and, please and that, tell Baz Luhrmann that? Yeah, that, that that's, <laughs> that that's that's the line with the death of the author because like well, the kind of thing is that the by by definition un, this is something that we we kind of talked about at university a lot because mm-hmm. for people listening who haven't listened before i have a degree in visual arts and i majored in film production and so this is an important actually aspect we should of we that. should stress that for people who sit there go oh they're just a bunch of you know geeks who sit around microns mm. you're a graduate of film studies and yeah. a filmmaker i went to film school yeah. jamie is an english teacher uh, we ha- we yeah. actually have we have, we have, we have some degree yeah, and, and the kind of thing is that w- with the death of the author, one of the real interesting elements is that Bath is not being literal, as in like the author dies and can't do it. But the thing is that by definition, creating a new cut of a movie is creating a new art, a new piece of work. And the, and the, the um, argument, the argument is about to, the literal side of yeah. it. Eventually the re- director will be dead. Yeah. Does that mean the work should stop then? No. Well, I mean, that that's a kind of real different ballpark if another director is coming in and re-editing the work. Well, of someone I, absolutely, that's died. that is something like, separate. Yeah, like, um, like well, uh, but there's, everyone... there's a lot of talk about Eyes Wide Shut has an issue with that, where Kubrick may or may not have finalized Finished. that cut. Yeah, but yeah. I, I believe he did. Um, but look, I mean, uh, but, 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 but my that's, po- that's my, the ultimate my point argument being is that, that the director's cut is you can't is hold control for the original artwork by definition. It's a it's a new mm-hmm. artwork. Um, and that that's the real academic entry, right. I suppose. Now, for those the special who, editions, do this in the wrong way. And of course, they erase the. And the one thing they, we're, yeah. we're also not talking about here is that there's also Sorry, Dave, the individual's subjective reaction to anything. Um, mm. You don't. You, you obviously this debate we're talking about. You know how much we should value these things. But the answer, of course, in the end, is however much you value them. You know, as as a, as a viewer, you are entitled to say. That's crap. This is good, or this is good, and that's crap. Um, that's that's not the issue here. The issue really is about how much the director gets to tell the world their vision, 
and how much we we mm. value that. Yeah. Bottom line is, putting aside all academic questions, bottom line mm-hmm. is. Once something is out in the open and we have seen it, it exists. We live in remix culture. Yeah. The bottom yeah. line is that I don't yeah. care how many extended versions they make. I don't care how many special editions they make. I don't care what they do to that work as long as the original stays intact. Yeah, exactly. As long yeah. as and, – and, and to their credit, when, Don, and when Donnie Darko, came, the director's cut, came out, the edition I have on Blu-ray is both films. Yeah. It's – the original cut and the director's cut, and basically he's saying, "Which watch whichever one appeals to you." And that's the right way to go about it. You know, one of the one of the worst things is when you go to buy a DVD and you can only get exactly yeah. the one version. And this is our problem with Star Wars, and there's one ongoing problem with Star Wars that has always been. Yeah. George Lucas can tinker, not anymore because he's finished with it, but mm. he could have tinkered with that film until the end of time. Yeah. He, he could have kept will. adding stuff. <laughs> he could have kept yeah. changing things. He could have done this. He could I have mean, done that. I, I as still, long as I they release the original theatrical yeah. Yeah. cuts. I still firmly believe that people would not bash those special editions at all. At, if the originals at, if, were there. If he just kept them. Yep, quite possibly. But yeah. then again, like, they would like, still I mean, Lucas, certain things, but, you know, like... Lucas is on record as being confused as to why people would want to go and see the older ones. Yeah, he is. He, he literally does not understand. Like, he's, yeah. he's clearly pouring himself into these new editions. Yeah. Like, he actually wants and, them and, to be better. And we should be very, very clear that these are not director's cuts because he did not direct... Episode yeah. two or episode four, uh, five a, or six. Yeah, of course. You know? <laughs> Scorsese made a, a, a wonderful movie called Hugo. That, it's a great that, film. Yeah, that, that yeah. you guys can watch, and it does say a lot about this stuff. Yeah. Like he he says a lot about film and filmmaking in Hugo. Yeah, no, Hugo's a really good film. Yeah, that, mm. like, he, he, that Hugo is like basically a thesis on like film preservation. Also, you have to ask yourself, and yeah. let's, let's just put this into one last thing and then we've got to move on because we are an hour and 40 minutes and uh, we haven't even got to our, we haven't even got to our films. So, so the bottom line is uh, uh, you also have to ask yourself one final question, which is I did put this on Facebook and in all of this, which is... Shoot the hostage. Which director? So in the case of something like Gone with the Wind, yep. Gone with the Wind had about five, five directors different directors yeah. because they kept getting fired throughout production. Mm-hmm. And only Victor Fleming is only listed as the director of Gone with the Wind yeah. because he was the last man standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So when you look at it and go, if you were going to release a director's <laughs> cut of Gone with the Wind, who? Yeah. Whose director's vision would you like to release? Okay. It's time for so, a director. <laughs> and this goes back to a point that Dave was bringing up a lot earlier, which was... There are so many people involved in making mm. a film. It of is, course. And you can subscribe to the auteur theory if you want to. I don't. Because the auteur theory would indicate that there is one author of a yeah. film. And a film is actually made up of a cinematographer and an editor and a writer and the gaffers that help light that thing and the grips that help move all the equipment into place and, and the some, actors who actually performed it. way, the weather... Oh, that day. The weather on that day. <laughs> yes. a, a, a fluke of light and a fluke of a prop person saying, I couldn't get what you wanted, but I got this chair, mm. and suddenly that chair becomes famous. Yeah. That's, you know? how, that's how JJ ended up with all that lens flare. Yeah. Just- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the point is that I think, I think at any given time on a major American film, there's about 200 crew members on a mm. film, sometimes three on the big films. And you sit there and look at it and go, there is no one author of a yeah. film. There's one person who guides it yeah. on the set. That's your director and that's yeah. his job. He 
directs the action. Mm. He makes sure everything is going where it has to go. But he also has assistant directors and second unit directors that's, and third unit directors. That's funny because and, that's why they call it directing. Directing. That's exactly and right. In fact, yeah. in fact, somebody actually said to me, he goes, oh, the director's vision is there. If you want to define the director's job down to its actual definition... It's, it's been, telling other people what to do. Actually, it's yeah. not. It's directing. <laughs> no. The director's actual job on a set and it's been mutated over the years by auteurs and whatever. The actual director's job on a set is to direct the actors. Yeah. It's to actually gauge the performance. It is the overall vision of translating mm-hmm. a story to images and direct the actors. The, all the camera movements are actually directed by the director of photography yeah. under the guidance of a director. The lighting is under the director of photography. The editing is under the editing team. The director doesn't edit the film and hold the film and shoot the camera unless it's Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. <laughs> but, or Soderbergh lately. Or Peter Hyams. Go back to the 80s yeah. and look at the, the credits to 2010. Yeah. Uh, in 2010, Peter Hyams wrote, directed, edited, and shot and produced that film. That's because no one else thought it was a good idea. So, <laughs> regular good Watch time. your mouth out, sir. I like 2010. <laughs> I do too. Um, okay, right, let's now, move right along. Can I, can I, oh, and to talk about the French new one. Wanky academic question, I feel. It's getting a bit too wanky. Yes. So... Fun it up for us. Here's the next one. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give you a, a fun one. What's the best film adaptation of another product that you've ever seen? And that this does not necessarily mean the most accurate. This is just the best, the one you've enjoyed the most. And so why. based on television or books or plays or whatever. Exactly. An adapt- what is the best? So adaptation? the answer is not Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Some people might Damn. say it is. Those people are wrong. But the point is, <laughs> but the point is, I don't agree. I don't disagree with you, sir. For your, <laughs> for yourself, for you individually, the listener. What's the best thing that you've seen that you saw in another medium and then saw the film and went, hey, that's then maybe they changed things. That's really good. Maybe that's perfect. And they've just adapted it perfectly. Whatever. But what's the one you enjoyed the most? Cool. All right. There you go. Bomb. (laughs) 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 All you Facebookers out there, start putting your answers in as soon as you hear this. All right. Now. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? We're doing... Uh, do you know what? We're going to do the yeah, news boss. because there's a couple of things here in the news that are actually kind of interesting. Okay. But we're not going to talk about or discuss them. We're going to do this back to the behind the panel style. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> do it. I'll, I'll so, do the music. So as normal, we start the news with this. And the truth shall set you free. We have, we have 12 seconds on each story. Thanks, Spectre, Jim. Over to you, David. Spectre, it needs to be a blockbuster. <laughs> Why? Uh, because if it's not, then they lose lots of money because they've spent a ridiculous amount on the movie. I, I love like, like I love the movie. It's People Pleaser. It looks perfect. Yeah. Um, New track coming to TV. Woo! Excited? Yeah! <laughs> okay. <laughs> Only if it's a continuation of the 12 seconds the of speculation. Canon. 12 seconds of speculation. It's set in the Abrams verse. It's not the Enterprise. It's completely different, but it brings in elements of the next generation stuff uh, reimagined. My, my, my speculation is New complete, cast, complete new crew, opposite. new ship. Newcastle, yeah, no, cruise ship, um, but maybe you'll see Worf. Maybe you'll see your the, the ultimate yeah, ver- universe I, I, yeah, version of no, Worf. No, I don't think thing. so because um, there's behind the scenes talk at the moment of that CBS does not like the Abrams reboots. But that's uh, what it's based on. Well, well, we don't know. That's not confirmed. Yeah, yeah because it's, is Kurtzman, Kurtzman is writing it. By yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. That's that true. He may do something yeah, different um, with no, it because the the story that I've heard is that Paramount feels that uh, no, that CBS feels that Paramount is undercutting the profits. I from look all their other stuff, but that's that's quite, just quite, quite possible. Okay. But I I would be they'd be more dumbfounded. Inclined. I would be dumbfounded and amazed if this is just a next generation era continuation. I'm, I'll, no, I'll, I think it'll be like a hundred years after next. Generation. I'm putting money down. After. I'm putting money down. Future. I'm yeah. putting money down. I'm putting five bucks on the table right now, Dave. 
that says that this is based on the Abrams Look, I'm, world. I'm, I'm probably being hopeful, but, I, but I'm just sort of going off what I've read. Put your money like, in your mouth. Like, it's five like, bucks down. I'll put five bucks down. Fuck it, right, why not? Five bucks like, down. Yeah, five but, bucks but, down. But, you say it's original universe. I say it's Abrams. Yeah, but I, I just want I just wanted to stress really quickly that like, had I not read the few articles that I read, I, I probably would have agreed with you guys. Yeah. I would have been like Kurtzman, obviously. Yeah. Five bucks down right now. Everybody's witness to this. Yep. I'll be having a. I'll be having your five bucks, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I just learned about this CBS Paramount next year battling thing. Okay. Uh, next yeah. article. Uh, Supergirl debut smashes it. <laughs> critics love it. It's rating its ass off. It's doing really good. Go watch it. Uh, yeah, just it, it really did just smash the ratings. It was great. It was fantastic. And this one we will actually... Where is it? Hang on. No, go away. Go away. Go away. Don't say go away to Star Trek. Go away. <laughs> and uh, is there... A, no, we go away on that one. That's good. It's oh, been yeah. more than 12 seconds, Dave. And then our next story <laughs> is a Preacher trailer came out. Okay, that's boring. Nobody's talking. Okay, so <laughs> go watch it. The trailer's on YouTube. Uh, Dave, you actually had a thought on this? That musical yeah, note um, rocked my world. It's like one of my favorite comic books ever. I ever love Richard. And I don't know. I'm, I'm super keen on this. I love everybody involved. I love the look. The look's amazing. Uh, I'm just hoping that it's closer to the comic book than it appears. But this is only a minute and they might be worried of showing too much of what it really is. Although it is AMC and let's remember that AMC's Walking Dead does not bear any resemblance to the Walking Dead comic book. So, well, well it kind of does for a little resemblance. while. But I mean, Preacher is a very specific kind of comedic satire. Look, I've already gone. It's on, like a giant fuck you to, to organize religion. I've already gone is. on. I've already gone on record. If the dude who, whenever he says something, you have to do it, tells the FBI agent, "Go count every fucking grain of sand on this beach." Yeah, I'm sold. I'm there. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and also in the news, I'm so angry about this, but apparently they're going to do away with Slave Leia. Yeah, so Slave Leia, look, I think it's wrong that we apologize for- Time make, and place, people. For time, time and, and place, place, for context. You know, there were slaves. It did happen if we filmed something in the period. Dave's taking pictures of me. I don't know why. <laughs> no, it's just funny because I got, I got a, just got a message, like you would not believe it, which is from my friend Patrick, which says, have you heard about this, this slave layer bullshit? <laughs> 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 and I'm just replying now with a photo saying, we are talking about this on air right now. <laughs> Look, okay, so if you make something that is set in period, like Tarantino made Django Unchained, and it has slaves... And, and the N word, and it has language like the N word. Awesome! It should be there. You're trying to make something set in the past. Mm. Now you could argue that Star Wars, well, it is set a long, long time ago, but you could argue that it's fiction and removed from reality, and that we shouldn't have slaves or promote slavery or anything. But the truth is that we did. We made a story she that had slaves. She was a slave for about twelve minutes, dude. That's right. <laughs> but it's, look, no, and it, she defeated her captor. She did. It's an empower. There was an empowerment issue Absolutely. there. Absolutely. I think this is ridiculous. This it's whole just thing stupid is to say, you know, oh, it's it's promoting sexuality or you know negative sexual stereotypes or whatever. It's just. It's stupid. It's stupid and just get get dum, off. Dum, 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 dum. Get over this. All right. And last but not least, uh, Star Wars board game. Yeah. Okay. This looks amazing. So yeah, tell um, me about this. So this is called Star Wars Rebellion. It is 170 miniatures. Dave, <laughs> um, <laughs> the rocks. You, you get a board that is the entire galaxy. <laughs> 
<laughs> a board that is the entire galaxy. One player or one team of players plays the rebellion. The other plays the empire. Each has different goals. Ah, pre-orders for me, wait. Yeah, <laughs> travels around. You travel around the uh, the galaxy, trying to complete different missions. Um, it it has is all it the characters. Players? It's two or four. Two or four. Uh, so you can work in teams, basically. Um, but it just looks amazing. Pre-order for me, Dave. You're coming over to play it when I get it. When's it coming out? Oh, I, we don't know yet. Sometime oh, next. Back up, back up, back up, back up. Sometime <gasps> early in sometime early in the next quarter. <laughs> Dave just saw the miniatures, <laughs> and they're, they're literally like it, there's X-wings, there's Imperial Star Destroyers, there's Death Stars, there's half-constructed Death Stars, there's AT-ATs, there's, there's ATSDs, there's Corellian freighters. There's a shield generator a for Hoth. Mon, like, Ka- Mon Calamari. There Mon are miniatures for everything I'm in this sorry, game. I'm sorry, but the scale is all out on some of those ships. <laughs> yeah, it, it is representative, Dave. <laughs> but uh, it just looks phenomenal. And and Fantasy Flight are the company that have done X-Wing, which we've been playing the hell out of. They've done the Star Wars card game, which I think is amazing. Uh, they've done... Uh, yeah, um, when are we playing X-Wing next? Um, um, whenever you're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they've uh, they've really knocked it out of the park with the Star Wars license as far as games go, and Rebellion looks to be the best one yet. Damn, I want this. All right, you'll get it. <laughs> I want this. Order it for me. Let me okay, know when it comes. We'll do. All right, that's the news. Cool. And now, if you want more details on any of this news, the links will be in our show notes as usual. It's just that we're running very late today, so we don't have time to go through it all in great detail because we got really academic and wanky. <laughs> all right, so let's talk a little bit about some films. Now we got two films. I did come though. I came several times doing yeah. some of that. So, yeah. it's a it mess. was worth the wank. I would just continuously through here. the Roland Barthes discussion. <laughs> and that is why I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we saw two different films this week because of scheduling conflicts and what have you. And two fairly major films came out. And major in the sense of big scale. Big scale, not people involved. Um, but uh, so Jamie is going to tell us a little bit about Last Witch Hunter. And then Dave and I will talk about Bridge of Spies because we had to see them separately. But we don't it separately like this because also I want to know about Last Witch Hunter because I really want to see it. So, so let's talk a little bit about that first and we'll say Last Witch Hunter directed by Breck Eisner and written by Corey Goodman Matt Shazam Sazma, Sazma and Burke Sharpless uh, stars Vin Diesel Rose Leslie Elijah Wood which I was really surprised I don't remember Elijah Wood being in this cast list uh, and Michael Caine uh, The Last Witch Hunter is all that stands between humanity and the combined forces of most horrifying witches in history and that comes from IMDB of course and here's a bit of the trailer. We won't play the whole thing. We'll just play a bit of it for you. Father? You have tasted more of life than I can ever imagine. But your story has no end. Do you know what it's like to live forever? Your immortality has made you the greatest soldier of the Axon Cross in a war between our world and the next. I've waited my entire life for the opportunity to help you. Well, now's your chance. You want to quit? No. I want to raise. You're a dreamwalker. Get out. I need you to take. 
die in there. You die out here. And I need you to wake up. You are in a trap! know nothing vin diesel <laughs> looks like blade four it looks like it looks like every film i've ever seen mashed together hey, Jamie, how, how far into that movie was the plane scene uh, i would like to do this entire review as michael Caine <laughs> because he was the best thing about the film uh the do plane go the, quietly the plane scene the plane scene is uh it's one of the opening scenes in oh, the film beautiful uh, it's, it's very nice yeah uh <laughs> now I've spoken to my good friend Judy Dench. We are we are good friends. When we go out drinking, it's we redefine the term bump and uglies. And uh, we, she has told me all about the time that she role played playing D and D with uh, Vin Diesel. And Vin Diesel apparently he plays this character in the game called The Last Witch Hunter, and the film very much is about uh, Vin Diesel's character. And and the fact that he is this cursed to be immortal uh, by the last witch that he kills, and uh, and then he goes around spending his time as an immortal hunting down witches. Now that's where I come into the film, and I am uh, playing a priest who who helps Vin Diesel to find witches and and clear them out and take care of them because they're they're bad, and uh, and I get I get sort of sidelined during the film. And Vin Diesel was on a quest to save me and help me. Right. Despite that, despite my absence from the film, I am still the best thing about it uh, because I'm only in about ten minutes altogether. <laughs> yes, yes. Like quick, <laughs> quick paycheck Does for it, him. They did, however, they did, however, spend most of the budget on having me there uh, <laughs> because they certainly didn't spend it on Vin Diesel. Let me tell you, uh, <laughs> the man, the man, stubbornly refuses to act. Would you like to see Vin Diesel playing Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, please do show me. So she's saying we should run away from the curse. She seems very, honestly, distraught. Um, this way. And she steps out into the night air, deeper into the swamp. The fog that's rolling in, while swilling naturally, is beginning to coalesce behind her in the form of some sort of humanoid, wraith-like entity that begins to reach out for her. So I should attack. (laughs) Reddish yellow flames. So I should. Attack, <laughs> and, and, and that is his acting advice as well. <laughs> Vin Diesel, look, uh, I can't tell you, his mouth does not move in this entire film. Um, he, everyone around him is trying really hard to act, but he is like oh, Vin Diesel, and it's just it, it's it's so bad, it's funny. Like honestly, but is it fun? I felt like I was back in the swarm. Is the film fun though? Because the trailer actually makes. Oh, it the film like, is wonderful fun. It's completely. I mean, it's, it's one of the best deri- times I've had working on a film. Completely derivative <laughs> of every other film we've ever seen <laughs> in an action one. film. But is it fun? Absolutely, it is an absolute Z grade film, <laughs> and and we all we all just chew up the scenery. It's wonderful. Elijah Wood does his best impression of Tobey Maguire the whole way through, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and in a surprisingly, well, I won't spoil anything for you, but he's surprisingly Elijah Wood about it. And um, yeah, look, this film is fun. I had a great time. 
I am. If you talk to my friend Jamie, he is giving away tickets to this film. <laughs> All you have to do is go to his store and say, "I want to see this film," and he will give you a ticket, a two for one ticket, and you can go and see this film with a friend. You and have that's to do probably it fast because it probably won't last. It's probably the best way to see this film is with a friend because you will be able to laugh about it with someone. Dave, we need to go see it. I want you to remember. I'm holding yeah. a two for one. I want yeah, you to remember yeah, yeah. the way that I determine what films I will make is that people give me a script and I read it and then I write a number of zeros on a piece of paper and if they put a one in front of that zero and pay me that much money, I will do the film. So let me tell you, there was a lot of zeros on this one. Hey, I have a lighter in this. (laughs) But no, look, very honestly, this was a fun film. It was a stupid- I love this kind of shit though, It was a stupid film. (laughs) Yeah, look, I do too. I enjoy a bit of this and it was very nice for me to be able to reprise my role as Alfred. Um, forever. Hunt forever. But, and, and that's very much what I was there for. It's like uh, I've, I've now been typecast as Alfred, but I'm okay with that because, you know, this is like the worst. if you go back into history, he's a detective. Yeah. And, uh, this <laughs> that's to me interesting. is like the worst video game adaptation, but they never made a video game. <laughs> well, <laughs> apparently it's based on his Dungeons and Dragons game. It is literally. Well, yeah, I guess so. It is a kind of a game adaptation. It is literally that. All right, let's bring Jamie back in the room for a minute and say, would you recommend this to a friend, Jamie? Absolutely. Look, it's... <laughs> uh, I would recommend it to my good friend, Michael Caine. Um, <laughs> he probably hasn't watched it. <laughs> he probably hasn't. Um, look, it, it really is. It's a silly film. Um, it's an over-the-top action piece. It's It's got no budget, What's really. his name in it? Does he have a name? Or is he just referred to as the last witch hunter? You know, he does have a name. It's something vaguely Germanic. Probably Xander. Um, <laughs> he seems to be a terrible that plague on the world. Calder. Ka- Calder. Cal- that's it. Calder must face yeah. their vengeful wrath. Um, it's yeah. Look, it's fun. It is just. It's a silly movie. Vin but Diesel Calder. is. Why did they just call him Diesel? This scene, <laughs> This would have been absolutely amazing had he just played himself. Like if he was just Vin, well, he sort Vin of Diesel, largely did. That, that, no, but like seriously, if it was just Vin Diesel. Is the last witch is hunter. the last witch hunter. That's it. Yeah. There's like he just goes by the name Vin. Look, Vinny. You know, like I could like I could go on about the frustrating things, but, but Diesel Trinity. To be honest, this film was not made to be, you know, knock my socks off, amazing, insightful adventure film. This was made to be a Vin Diesel vehicle, and right. and it really is. Look, um, you I know, find Vin Diesel his, all of his offsiders are helpless and clueless, and he has to save them, and he does so. Yeah, but she's Spielberg from, she's from Game of Thrones. Busy, so, you know? Yeah, look, and, you know, like. Oh yeah, a lot of actually a lot of the the magical witchy stuff is quite nice in this film. Um, so witches essentially um, live quite happily alongside humans. They just don't. They're not allowed to use magic on humans. That's that's sort of like the law. Um, so you get and some when they nice, do, Vin comes to deal with them exactly. Mm. So you get some really nice things in here where you know um, a, a clueless witch has accidentally gathered up some artifacts which have caused weather turbulence, and Vin comes and sorts it out and doesn't kill her. It's just like, I know you you made a mistake. It's all good. Why do you think this movie failed so badly? Well, in what sense? Sorry, are we talking money? Box office? Box office. Like, uh, it seems like they marketed it heavily and people like Vin Diesel from- Okay, um, look, so several things. It doesn't doesn't have the effects budget that it needs. Um, You know, like they do some very nice little bits and pieces, but the main villain looks like- a chick wearing makeup. Um, sure. You know, she's she's not CGI'd or, or digitally altered enough to actually look otherworldly. She just looks like someone dressed yellow with bits of wood stuck to her. Um, the, uh, the All the magic stuff 
is really downplayed because I'm, I'm presuming because they just didn't have the budget for it. Um, so it's little bits of uh, crackly lightning and you know a couple of uh, bright blasts of light, but nothing really magical to see. Uh, you know, it's odd because that trailer looks very um, looks okay. It looks like Blade. Yeah, look, it's like uh, it, it, it is. looks like like it should have made a lot more. It money is okay. Than Blade it was did. the like, Blade films are all probably a bit better because Wesley Snipes is a slightly better actor. Yeah, I guess. But, yeah, but Vin like, Diesel's got a but, but, big following. Yeah, Vin like, Diesel with, does with have a big Fast following. And, films like and and but yeah. I mean, consider Vin Diesel in those films. He's not. You're not watching them for Vin Diesel's amazing acting talent. That's no, like Schwarzenegger kind of thing. You don't watch like, any yeah. of these action stars for their amazing acting talent. You That's didn't right. Watch you watched Schwarzenegger. You didn't watch Stallone. That's exactly you didn't right. Watch, you, you watch them watch for the. You watch them for the action and for the pithy line at the yeah. end. This movie lacks the pithy line. And the action is okay. Okay, uh, fair yeah. enough. Okay, so it just like it, it's got the makings of something good, but mm. it just I, I'm guessing the budget just didn't stretch far enough for them to make it good. Sure. Um, but that said, you I know, think people may have also seen through the trailer a little bit. I mean, the bottom line is the major selling point of any film is going to be its trailer, and people watch that trailer and they're mm. going, "But that was in the Matrix. That was in this. Mm. That yeah, was in and this, there is that very much that. that. It's Every moment along, she, well, she actually says at one point, "You take this and you'll wake up." What happens in there happens in real life. Well, that's from Dream. That's from uh, uh, what's a, what's that film called? Uh, um, what, what dreams might come? No, no. Well, no, the, the, no. The, um, dreams, dreamscape, dreamscape from the eighties, yeah. right? And it's like you sit there and go. Every one of these films I've seen every well, look, moment in, in this that film sense, already. In that sense, it's really it's quite successful because it is depicting a role playing game, and yeah. role playing games very much do draw on trips Absolutely. from film and, and books. But what I'm saying is, I think the audience who don't play role play games are just looking at it, going, "I've seen that film." Yeah, exactly. Why don't they That's just, exactly like, go, the truth. Go full blown with this, like they they just chicken out. Should have just been a Dungeons and Dragons movie. Should have just been like him rolling well, dice the whole time. <laughs> like, no, seriously. Like, he's got a dungeon master. Yeah, well, I, I thought we'd have like, a movie. Look, he's walking down the street. The monster jumps out, and suddenly a guy just sticks his head and goes, "Roll initiative." Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> this is what people don't get. It's like that movie. That would be that entertaining. That movie would make at least fifty million opening weekend. I think. Uh, look, based I think- on that alone, because it, it would travel around the United States. Every blog in the world would pick it up. It would, it would make news, national news, where they'd be like, "Somebody." <laughs> Spend fucking eighty million. To make it, like they're using dice to fight. Really? Like as it's a, like Jumanji, kind of. As a role like, player, I would love to see that, and it would be great because you could just have a scene where somebody rolled. Dave, a, we're going to write this movie. Yeah, seriously. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be great because you could you could have a scene where somebody meet. rolled a critical fail, and the action yeah. hero on screen just critically fails. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. It goes well, whatever, whatever the dice roll yeah. is, we then see the scene play. Yeah, out. it'd be yeah. great. We should um, make this ourselves. That fuck, would be fuck fun. Hollywood. But look, I can. You heard, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Copyright us. You can't yeah. take the idea. Jamie, we'll, we'll we'll film it in good games. What do you reckon? <laughs> sure. Yeah, let's do this. Look, I, yeah, yeah, I think that would have been really interesting to actually. Just It'll be one admit really annoying was. guy who's the dungeon master. And like, <laughs> but look, like, like, not annoying, like in the sense of like annoying the audience or that people hate the character, but it's it's annoying for the other players, yeah, because he's always like trying to keep them in line <laughs> and in track, and they have to work together perfectly to beat the the monsters. Absolutely, I, I've got some wild ideas going through my head right yeah, now. It's we'll cool. talk. We'll yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about but, it. We'll but talk. look, bottom line, bottom line is that this is it's a B grade movie. It is the really good kind of bad. You know, like you, you, you're laughing at Vin Diesel being dead serious, even when people around him aren't, and it's fun. You know, it is, it is a good movie. Save it. <laughs> Coming it a- next year. Geek actually presents Dice Master. <laughs> oh, there you go. It is a good movie for Role what it play. is. <laughs> it's a good movie for what it is. It could have been a better movie if they'd been able to make a better movie. 
Cool. All right. Well, let's start, let's move on to review two, which I think is actually the better movie. So, uh, I can't say. <laughs> you yeah. really want to hope so with the credits yeah. of this one. All right. So <laughs> second film we're reviewing this week. We're going to try and make this a little bit faster. Bridge of Spies, directed by Steven Spielberg and written by Matt Charman and Ethan Cohen and Joel Cohen. <laughs> it stars Tom Hanks, uh, Mark Rylance, Amy Ryan, and Alan Alda, plus a whole bunch of other people who. You may not know their names, but a lot of people, you know their faces. Uh, IMDb puts it as, during the Cold War, an American lawyer is recruited to defend an arrested Soviet spy in court and then help the CIA facilitate an exchange of the spy for the Soviet-captured American U-2 spy plane pilot, Francis Gary Powers. Um, this is the trailer. And I think the trailer... Oh, hello, what just happened there? I think the trailer is actually pretty quiet, so we may not play the whole thing. We'll mm-hmm. just kind of get a taste for it. You've been selected for a mission which you are not to discuss with anyone outside of this room. We are engaged in a war with the Soviet Union. This war does not for the moment involve men at arms. It involves information. Something important has come up. We've got a Soviet spy. But there's a wrinkle. They got our spy pilot. Or the head full of classified information. The Russians want their man back before he cracks. We want you to negotiate the swap. I'm an insurance lawyer. I'm not sure I want to pick that up. Are you good at what you do? This will be a first for the both of us. You should be careful. I'm talking to you about the security of your country. Why aren't we hanging him? He's a spy! You're asking me to violate the Constitution. Do you know how people will look at us? The family of a man trying to free a traitor? Everyone deserves a defense. Every person matters. All right, so that's a little bit of the trailer from Bridge of Spies. All right, so straight up, as someone who hasn't seen the film, I've got to ask, how much of a Coen Brothers movie is this? Mm, Interesting. More than you think, actually. Actually, yeah, more than you think. Interestingly enough, there are whole sequences in this where you know that part of the script was written by the Coens. So if you read the credits, uh, there are some people who don't know this. Dave and I know this because we went through film school. But when you read the credits on a written by... Uh, there is actually meaning behind the word and mm-hmm. and an ampersand. Yeah. Uh, this is actually via the Writers Guild. It's via the union. Yep. When you have the word and, it means two different writers worked on the, but they work separately. So one wrote it and then somebody else came along and rewrote mm-hmm. it. When you have an ampersand, it means they work together, right? This film is written by, as we said before, a Matt Charman and mm. Joel and Ethan Cohen with an ampersand. Yeah. So basically he wrote the script, they came in polished, and I think a lot of the dialogue comes back to them. Yeah. And there are a whole sequence in this where you sit and go, this would fit into Fargo, yes. <laughs> where, yeah. where the dialogue exchanges well, See, are, that makes it really appealing to yeah, me because I am yeah. a huge The Coen dialogue fan. exchanges are phenomenal. No, it, but don't, don't go in expecting it it's, to doesn't, be It like, doesn't have the quirkiness yeah, yeah. Of, of a Coen Brothers yeah. film. Mm. It's got... It's it's a very straightforward telling of a moment in history, yep. which is fascinating, and it is a magnificently made film. This film is gorgeous. This is Spielberg in top form. Performances are great. 
the, the 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 cinematography is wonderful. It is actually a very gripping story. It does suffer from the one thing that all true stories suffer from, which is we know the ending. See, I didn't. Yeah. yeah. So if you know history at all, you're gonna go, okay, I know how this is gonna end. Which I know I what don't. The, I know <laughs> I know what the bridge of spies I, I is. I really don't. <laughs> uh, what I didn't know about this was I didn't know there was a third party involved, and we won't spoil that. But there's a third party involved in all this. Mm-hmm. It's not just the U two spy plane pilot. And I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. How he goes, he kind of goes off book a little bit not Spielberg yeah. uh, Tom Hanks's character mm. because he gets a bug in his ass about the fact that there's this other person yeah. and he wants that other person also and so he basically starts to negotiate the idea of a three-way trade and it's fascinating how he puts it all together because he doesn't work for the government and the whole idea of him going in there was the government said you have no official authority you have no this no that yeah. we need a citizen yeah. it's to go in like and negotiate a, it's this. a movie about what being a spy really is. Yeah. You know? And like, it's just negotiation and, 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 and seeing and through every, the bullshit, everything is subtext. Yeah. Every, every, every line spoken in this movie has a different meaning. And he's all, per- you just watch these really tense negotiations where it appears people are just talking about nothing. Yeah. And, but, and I mean, the reason why they sent him of course is because he's a lawyer and he yeah. sees through the bullshit, you yeah. know? So, so and he likes peanuts. And he likes peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> How's Alan Alder looking these days? Old yeah. dude. He's looking old, but he's, he's still looking. I'm, Alan I'm a big fan of his. Alan Alder holds up pretty well. And I think he's actually become a really interesting character in his later years. Mm-hmm. He's actually, he's grown into this very interesting character because there's always a slight sinisterness, sinisterness to him now yeah. where you're never quite sure if he's on the level or whether he's actually and this all comes from a film he did uh going back about man 15 years ago now called whispers in the dark where it was the first time we ever saw alan alda actually be a bad guy Mm -hmm. and suddenly we went oh he really does pull that off really well yeah and since that time you're never quite sure where his characters sit and i think that makes him very interesting and compelling to watch now what I was alluding to at the beginning of the show, and I just want to bring this up. Uh, first of all, I'll just I'll bring my side of this to a conclusion and say I would highly recommend yeah. this. I think this is this is high up on the list of Spielberg films to watch. This is really really this good an stuff. Incredible movie. Um, really enjoyed this film. It's not perfect. It is not one of his greatest films, but it is a really solid solid entry. Mm. Magnificent performances as well, especially from the Soviet spy. Uh, um, from Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance, yeah. fabulous. Which Spielberg pulled from the theatre. Yeah. This is one of his first film roles, I believe. And he's he's yeah. terrific. And um, you can tell because such so much of the movie is nuanced mm. that it just, a theatre actor is so great now, for this kind of role. This brings us to Tom Hanks um, because uh, when we came out of the cinema, Forest. we were just... We were having a discussion about uh, the film, and one of the things that a friend of yours, well, remain nameless, mm-hmm. it was one of, your friend, one of your friends, was basically saying that anybody could have played that role. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't really argue it because I kind of went, oh, whatever, you know, whatever. Over the course of the last week, I've been thinking about that statement, and I'm a big believer that people bring something to a role. You hire people for a role. Yeah. You, there is a reason why people get getting cast in roles and why people are compelled to watch that role. His answer was anybody could have played the role. And I would actually argue that and say, no, they couldn't. Mm. Tom Hanks actually is unique. And Tom Hanks does bring Tom Hanks to the role. And my wife was the one that nailed it. She actually said, Tom Hanks represents every man. Yeah. That is actually not an easy thing to play. When you actually think about it, if you put Brad Pitt in this role or you put Vin Diesel in this role or you put John Hamm in this role, it would have been a completely different character. Yeah, absolutely. Tom Hanks made the character 
he made us relate to the character because we relate to him so as being uh, every man. Well, see, now that you yeah. say that, I feel really weird about saying that there's something about Tom Hanks I just don't like. <laughs> yeah. Does don't that like, mean I don't like everybody? You don't like everybody. <laughs> no, that's right. and the thing is, I think when we look at it, if you put it into context, when you look at it and you go, when Tom Hanks is put onto an island as a castaway, we relate to the film because we're him. Hmm. You know, when he's put in this awkward situation of having to negotiate with all these people, we relate to it because we are him. We are actually falling into that everyman role. He is he is America and and a lot of the other world, considering how popular he is. But he's America's ideal, mm. and they are, they yeah. they want to be that. It's interesting because I I've I've loved Tom Hanks. For oh, a me too. I've loved time. Tom Hanks for a long time. Um, so. But Tom Hanks has never been that actor that I've ever felt has done the same role over and over again. Though, think, uh, think about it. Think to about me, it. he's always been incredibly varied. There is so not I, a lot of difference between yeah. this Tom Hanks character and Catch Me If You Can. I can sort of yeah, see what I your friend there is, is saying. There you know? is. Like, well, there's like, well, there's the Boston sort of. Yeah, forget. If, no, let's forget the accents and stuff. But I'm just talking no, about no, the 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 yeah. Fair enough. But it's the it's the know. quality that he brings think, to the screen. I think he does play himself well to an extent. But I mean, like when you look through it, like uh, particularly like. Um, Spielberg's collaborations with him. Well, I was about to say, because uh, I was like thinking... The Terminal. Well, I was about to say, that's like, why you take the accent Private out of it, Ryan. because if you look at The Terminal, The Terminal's a perfect example. Here he is with this silly Eastern European mm. accent from some fictional country, yeah. and yet we completely relate to him. Why? Yeah. Because... He represents us. Yeah, and, and even though he's got the yeah. accent, it doesn't matter that he's not American. He's still Tom Hanks. And we relate to him. The only- Gump. These are all such, like, Toy Story. They're all such the only- varied... Like, Performances. The only two Spielberg. That's not Spielberg. Will Smith sounds the same every movie you see. Exactly. But But think about this. Sorry. sorry. Actually, before you go on, Jamie, Jamie. hold that thought and don't forget it. It brings up a very good point, which is what makes a movie star. Okay, a movie star Mm -hmm. is a movie star because people pay to see them. Yeah. Right. If you think about it, Cruz always plays Cruz. De Niro basically always plays De Niro. I mean, there are exceptions to this rule. And, and, and we should say, like, Clooney is the same with this. Clooney, like, like, Al Pacino. Like, it, it should be stated that playing yourself is almost harder than playing Playing yourself is actually one of the hardest things you can yeah. do. To Anyone that's ever had natural. a camera pointed at them And once somebody latches onto that. that and they say, yeah. I love this character, I love this persona, that's when they go, I'm a huge Robert De Niro fan. Because what they go to the cinema to see is Robert De Niro. Yeah, yeah see, they don't, you know. It's for, natural, for me, uh, all those guys that you just named, I would rather see them than Tom Hanks in any given role. But no, no, yeah, that's, sure, and that's granted. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that's the thing, not everybody is going to appeal Tom, to Because yeah, Tom, yeah. Tom Hanks uh, delivers performances that are, are not necessarily naturalistic. Yeah, I can um, see that. Because, like, but in Spielberg movies, it's very kind of a different beast because Tom Hanks. He's a class act. Well, I was like, going to say. Absolute class act. Because like, you look at the... I don't know. The, uh, this is kind of applicable to a lot of movies, I suppose. But like, they don't really get the chance to act necessarily for long periods. Because Spielberg has such incredibly complex blocking where the actors have to hit very specific marks according to very specific Think timings. about how hard that is, though. And, that, and that's what I'm talking about as a class act. Like That is... that To, to maintain that character through all of that, is a very difficult thing to accomplish. I was going to say the, the, to be, the three of his films know, that I've ever to do a voice. I've ever really liked much or, or had much positive feeling for were uh, Big Philadelphia and um, and the Terminal. They would be the mm. three that I actually thought where Tom Hanks was really good and I enjoyed mm. him in that role. Um, but everything else, he's just always left me a little bit cold because sure. probably because he is that every man that every man that you know literally he's sort of downplayed. 
his personality. Mm. Yeah, I, I think so. Tom, I think I, I agree with Dave. I think and I can, he, I can see the challenge in that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think he's a class like, actor. To me, it's a similar thing where people go, I hate Jim Carrey. And it's like, well, oh no, I love Jim well, Carrey what do you, too. What do you mean? Like, exactly. <laughs> I love Jim Carrey. Yeah. Like, do you, like, cause like the, the people that, but it is, I don't know. To me, I don't know. I guess maybe I'm looking into things more than, than they are. Like, I think that the, these actors are more subtle than they appear. Like they, they're, yeah, it's it's easier to label someone like Jim you know Carrey, what? but Jim Carrey has done an enormous like range of characters. Mm, of course, like like, like um, the people who tend to get labeled as being all the same are, are people. Uh, I guess actors that people have watched more of. Mm. I guess, but I, I think there's like um, that have been in more popular films. I, I think I it know. goes. I think it goes deeper than that. I think because every inherently... actor's got range. That's what they do. They act. Sure, yeah, like, but um, but they are still in the end the same some type person. Cast. Yeah, and I think surely you've had that experience where you've seen someone and you just either don't like them or feel like of course, there's something of odd about that person. I think that's just what I think. A, a I think good, that's what yeah, it is. No, yeah, a good example, yeah, yeah. A, which a good would example, mean they're acting well. Yeah, yeah. A good example yeah. of this is that my mother does not like Tom Cruise. Yeah, it doesn't matter how good the film is. It doesn't matter if he turned around and put in a Shakespearean Oscar-winning mm. performance. She doesn't like him. Yeah. And because of that, she doesn't go see his films. Oh, the number of people who I've heard say bad things about Mel Gibson's Hamlet because they don't like Mel Gibson. I loved mm. Hamlet. I love Mel Gibson's Hamlet. Yeah, like it's, yeah. It, it is a great movie. Oh, and, I love that film. Um, but, but, it's like, it's yeah. not necessarily the best adaptation of no, Hamlet. It's heavily not, not, but not, it's a great yeah, movie. Great not to yeah. go too much into acting theory or anything like that, but like acting is so varied. There are many different like schools and styles and, mm-hmm. and, and methods, you know, like... Um, but what what the core of it is 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 presenting a truth and and showing a truth, and if the actor can communicate that that through their own life experience on film, then you can create something magical. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's that's at the core. It doesn't matter if an actor like yeah. eats cockroaches and lives in the woods for for a year. Like it won't make a difference if they're put opposite. You know, someone who's just memorized their lines. People who as are as long as showy, the both of them are working to create. Funny thing a truth, is, people you know? who are really showy and out there and put themselves out there, like say a, a Johnny Depp, mm. are no better an actor than Tom Cruise, who you can't even see acting. Yeah. And the thing is, I would actually say that Tom Cruise is probably the better actor out of the two, mm. purely because you're not seeing his. You're not yeah. seeing. The character. It's, it's true. It's true. The only person that you can definitively say is just straight out 100% a better actor has got to be Michael Caine. I got a couple more things on this really quickly. Like, yeah. we have to take into account editing, the multiple takes, uh, Correct. chosen, the pacing, that kind of stuff is also included. Uh, all the other elements, too, like even the lighting can influence mm. a performance. But um, we talked about the blocking. Uh, but if you want to look at real performance, it's kind of hard to go. I'm going to judge the actor because it should be like how we talked about director's cuts. It's a collaboration. Yeah, well, there's that. Yeah, absolutely. That's another part of it, how we talked about director's cuts. But I, I, I mean specifically like we should judge them on how they performed this time because there's an actor that's been bad before. Mm. You know, like it's like a Take stand-up the film comedian. on the merits you know? of the film that you are watching, not on what... Yeah, it's the same so thing I feel about things that happen off the screen. Yeah. So Mel Gibson turns around now and let's say he puts in the best performance mm. of his entire life in a film. There are still going to be people out there who say, oh, but he's that maniac who is, you yeah. know, who is yeah, yelling yeah, the N-word. Yeah. I sit there and go, take the film yeah. for what the and film this, is. This, this kind of comes That's back, right. comes back you know? nicely to my mate because he ended up saying, 
Hanks was good in this movie. And and yeah, that's well, true. And, yeah, and, so, and, and having and, just yeah. said I don't like Hanks, yeah. I just cited three movies that I do like. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. You've got to. It's yeah. it's about the individual at the time. Yeah, yeah. I also and love him the in the thing, Money yeah. Pit, by the way. And that and laugh is yeah. the greatest laugh in history of, yeah, of film. Yeah. And so, <laughs> now, so, so now, when Dave, it comes to Bridge of Spies, like Bridge of Spies, like, and I'm not, I don't, I should rephrase it. I was going to say like this is Spielberg at his most subtle, but I don't know about that for sure. But this is Spielberg like. This is grown up Spielberg. This is real adult Spielberg really trying to communicate something. And um, there are two Spielberg. There are two Spielberg Spielberg's is always in the world. subtle, in my opinion. Yeah, well, there's actually but, two Spielbergs in the this world. This is the Spielberg, most subtle. There's two Spielbergs in the world. There's a Spielberg who does uh, Hook, Minority Report, uh, and even you know, those I think have subtle. No, no, absolutely, no, absolutely. Yeah, there's always I don't, no, no, I don't no, want to say. No, there's yeah. always depth. What I'm talking about there is yeah. there is the Spielberg who deals with the fantastical, mm-hmm. and then there's the Spielberg who deals with much more grown up. Sensitive and and subtle well, story. There's also the third one who he's, he's not here. Go away. <laughs> you only see him at parties, and, and he does that. He does that trick with the iguana. But, so Spielberg, uh, so up Spielberg is the one who brings us Schindler's List. He brings us. He brings us this. He brings us Color Purple. He brings War us uh, War Horse. But see, see the, the Spielberg here in Bridge of Spies, like Bridge of Spies, in my mind, runs solely on subtext. There's no real, like, main arc or plot. And do you know what a lot of that really? comes down to, though? A lot of that comes down to Coens and their script as well. Well, I think so, but, like, but, but like there are things that here that Spielberg does with camera movement to, like, uh, and blocking and, like, um, how the actors move in the space that communicates so, so wonderfully to you what what the story is. Mm, absolutely. Like, um, so wonderfully. Like, there's a, a use of umbrellas in this movie. There's a use of light. And sniffles. Like, and sniffles and the cold and the cold you know, is brilliant. Yeah, the cold uh, is actually one of the greatest running jokes, yeah. I think, in in cinema. It's it, mm. it starts with our spy who has the sniffles all the way through the opening scene where the, he's on trial. Mm-hmm. Then in the middle act, we have Hanks is now sniffling and he's yeah. basically got a cold throughout the whole thing. And then by the end of it, the Russian guy has the yeah, cold. Yeah. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> so you know, it's, like, it's interesting. It's like the, the, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that Spielberg does so well. Like the the stuff I like is um Tom Hanks always looking out of the window. Windows, yeah. And it's like he's looking, you know, as an observer. And there's a know, wonderful. It's almost mo- like how you're watching the movie. Yourself. There's also a wonderful monologue. You got to observe more carefully. You know, like I don't know. Yeah, there's a wonderful monologue in this as well. That Dave and I both it blows both away, where. Hanks has been dicked around completely by the Russians and the East Germans and basically everybody. And he gets to a point where the Russian little aide guy comes along and sits down and says, I'm sorry, he won't be able to see you again. Mm. And Hanks mm. just sits there for a minute. And, does, and then, and this is where Hanks brings what Hanks does because he doesn't get angry. Mm. He doesn't yell. He doesn't raise his voice. He just stands up and goes, can you just pass on a message for me? Yeah. And he delivers this wonderful monologue that in... No uncertain terms is basically saying you are about to fuck yourself in the ass and we're going to walk away from this whole Mm. thing, but doesn't word it that way at all. And it's just beautifully worded. Just, can you tell your boss this, this, and this, and this is what might happen if this happens and da da. And he goes, did you get all that? And the age just kind of goes, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's like the Coens bringing yeah. that to the movie. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. magnificent. And then he just flees. That co- sounds very Coen. Spiraling, just of convolutedness. Yeah. So, you know. do you want to give a recommendation, Dave? 
Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love this movie. I think it's essential cinema. Like, mm. um, but but I'm I'm a huge Spielberg fan. Dave and I, and it's Dave. It should slate. be stated that Dave and, and most of my listeners know this yeah. already. Dave and I are we have a very very uh, big soft spot for Spielberg yeah. and probably a little bit. He's of my bi- favorite. A little bit of ice. He's like. been he's been my favorite filmmaker <laughs> yeah. since I was uh, ten years old, mm. and so and now I'm 48. So you can imagine I've been following this man's career. I've read mm-hmm. almost everything about him. Yeah. I, just Spielberg is my idol. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's always going to be a slight bias. Yeah, exactly. And you so, know? like, but I think the bias is true. The, yeah. He's a master. I've actually it. just worked like, out, by the way, I'm yeah. going to put an Amazon order this- because I have every film except for four yeah. on Blu-ray now. Every Spielberg oh, film. I have every film, yeah. but on Blu-ray. You still got to watch Lincoln. I know. Oh, God, we I- should review <laughs> Lincoln on this. Like, um, but the kind of thing is, like, this movie is nothing really like but people talking in rooms yeah yeah. And they're not even talking it is a about cold, the story. It's a Cold like, War thriller in the classic sense of a Cold War thriller. Yeah, you know, it's it's all subtext. It's all like just having conversations about water and trees and but we're really talking about this most yeah. complex yeah, uh, mechanic and but yet it is such amazing cinema. Yeah. Yeah, and that's real testament to what Spielberg can do. Like you're you you're sitting there and you're on the edge of your seat. It's gripping. And it's two people drinking tea. And it's two people <laughs> drinking tea, like like wearing coats because they're cold and yeah. like you know, it's an accomplishment. It's a great, it, film. you know. But every time Spielberg just surprises, you know, the guy doesn't he doesn't waste time with anything. Mm, I agree. I and we it. didn't have John Williams this time, and and that proves more. You know, you know, you know, it was actually a good score. It was a good score. It was I a good score. It, it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. It's not a John Williams score. Let's yeah. put it that but way. But I, I, I wanted to bring it up just in the sense of like the some people say like John Williams contributes a lot to Spielberg. And he, he does. He does. But Spielberg is more more, you know, he's capable of this is not, not the first hiding time. behind. This is also soundtrack. not the first time he has he's made a film without Williams. No, but it's the first in a very Yeah, because remember time. Quincy Jones did Color Purple. Yeah. Which so, was Long time, ago. which is a long time ago. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this puppy up. We're an hour and 20, two hours and twenty seven minutes into this thing. All right, so uh, if you agree or disagree with anything we've had to say today, uh, you can send your email to feedback at geekactually.com or you can drop us a voicemail. Yes, I'm going to bring up the number because I got it written down this time. O two eight zero one one four one six seven, or of course our Skype handle is just Geek Actually, all one word. So you can use that as well. But if you are in Sydney, the phone number is actually better for getting through to the voicemail I found. That actually puts you through a lot faster. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash geek. Actually, that's where we're looking for all of your stuff about our wanky questions. And yep. That's where we're pulling a lot of our feedback from at the moment. Or on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash geek. Actually, where can we find more of you, Dave? Uh, Twitter at Dave Longo. And um, yeah, you can check out my comic book on um, uh, Facebook. It's Inadequate Gods. Inadequate Gods. And Jamie? Find me in the Good Games Hurstville group on Facebook. Just type it in the search bar. Or at GG Hurstville on Twitter. Or go there in person. That's it's always awesome. Good Games Hurstville. <laughs> and you can find me, of course, on Twitter at Dave McVeigh or on Facebook. Just Dave McVeigh, funnily enough. <laughs> Isn't that surprising? <laughs> I'm kind of everywhere. You, can yeah. you know, if you do a Google search for me, I'm like the entire first page. <laughs> or would you, would you create, create an in-joke? Yeah. We may be able we may be able to find you above the surface soon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nobody knows what that means yet. No, so. I was I was actually going to drop a little euphemism before and say that doesn't fall far from the tree. Oh, uh, I was going to make a little euphemism before saying that I might have to go Xbox you know, in the in the in the uh, yeah. next gen. But we'll see. Making anyway. a euphemism. <laughs> euphemism. Anyway, He's we're going gonna, live. We're going to get off of this <laughs> subject and we're going to go now. And until next time, everybody, we'll see you next week with because it's only going to be a week. We're going to see you next. 
next week with Spectre. We're all looking very much forward to this. Oh, uh, so much. I know you've seen it. <laughs> you'll, t- you'll tell us about it later. Uh, you'll get your chance next week, sir. Until next time, geek on, everybody. Enjoy your week. Have fun, everybody. <laughs> Don't touch that, please. Your primitive intellect wouldn't understand alloys and compositions and things with molecular structures in the 